Blog Talk Radio. chain got overtime exposure last week as the Miami Hurricanes defense forced four turnovers. An Adidas marketing rep passed through the corridors of the U in the past few days, and he reported that the equipment company has never seen a greater social media impact with one of its partners than what Miami is experiencing right now with the turnover chain. Maybe the juice that that big gold necklace creates on the Miami sideline bears some responsibility for the Hurricanes' success. A 6-0 record now in 2017, an 11-game winning streak going back to last year that Miami will take into Chapel Hill this weekend when it visits recent nemesis North Carolina. The Tar Heels are reeling, beset by injuries, but everyone in the Miami camp remembers the pain that Carolina has inflicted on Miami the past two years and promises that nobody is taking this game on Saturday for granted. If everything goes well, Miami will come out and take care of business and build momentum for the days that follow when both Virginia Tech and Notre Dame will visit Hard Rock Stadium, providing Hurricane fans 
with the biggest home games that this program has in 16 years. We will talk about the victory over Syracuse tonight. We'll talk about what lies ahead as we embark on a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canesport Live, the people's show. As always, it's your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Same rules as always. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad. That puts you in the queue. We bring you on in the order that you land in the queue. As always, we ask subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Got a whole bunch of them once again, a lot of real good ones. I'll space them in throughout the show um, as we move forward. But I want to get right to your phone calls because we do have a lot of guys that want to get on tonight. Hopefully we'll get some first-time callers this evening as well. If you've never had the gumption to step right up, hit the number one on your keypad, Get yourself in the queue. We'll bring you on the show. We always like to get the input of some new people uh, who have not called in past weeks. So 563-999-3633. Hit one if you want to come on the show. And we're going to start out where we usually start, out in the 845. Where Greg, you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How are you today? Doing good, doing good. Did you enjoy the game Saturday? Yes, I did, but uh, I have a couple questions for you. Did anybody ask Mark Rick why they did not run time off the clock at the end of that, on that last drive? Why we were snapping the ball with 22 seconds on the play clock? Yeah, um, you know what? That was one of the main questions that was submitted this week. So, um, you know, since you're asking it as well, um, you know, let me go. Let me go into that a little bit. There actually were three different situations that people are asking about. And um, it, it's part of the questioning of the thought process and the strategy that they're seeing. The, the situation in the Syracuse game that you're talking about, um, where the Canes got the ball, I, I, I'd have to look at the play-by-play, but it was, it was with a little more than five minutes left. And they had a one-point lead and tried to start moving down the field. Now, as an offensive coordinator – Rick could have gone two ways here. He could play it safe and focus, make the primary focus running the clock. But if they failed in that situation, they'd still be giving Syracuse the ball back with three minutes left or something. And that's, that's like three hours for that offense, how fast that they run plays. So I thought Rick made the right decision. He decided to be aggressive and he decided to go try to score and win the game, not back into it by being conservative and w- focusing more on the clock. And it worked out. They, they ran their normal offense. They ran it at the tempo that they're used to running it. And they went down the field and they scored the touchdown to go up um, by eight. And uh, that, that was curtains at that point. But, uh, you know, I think it ties into what we discussed a week ago when we talked about the onside kick in the Georgia Tech game, you know, Rick is being aggressive. He's going out to win the games. He's not trying to luck into victories. He should be applauded for that, not questioned and criticized. That's, that's my opinion on it. 
you know, I don't think that, you know, that he should be being questioned about it the way he is. I love the aggressiveness. I love the attitude and the belief that he has in his football team and the way that those kids are delivering week after week after week and winning these close games. Obviously, you'd want them to have bigger cushions at the end, but uh, that's a separate issue. And that, I think, goes with improving on third down and just gaining consistency. And, and you would think as the season goes on here, now that you're in the middle of the season, this team should start peaking and, and, and they should be getting better. And, and, you know, hopefully you'll see that on Saturday. Now, uh, Greg, before you continue, I, I want to bring up two other situations that were called into question on the message boards at canesport.com. Um, against Syracuse, Rick chose not to have Michael Badgley kick a long field goal on fourth and three. And the Canes failed to convert a pass, turned it over on downs. Syracuse got the ball back. They were faced with a similar situation and distance. They decided to go for the field goal, and they made the field goal. And um, so the question is, you know, what's up? Why did Mark Rick make that decision? Well, the field conditions, I'm sure everybody saw, were absolutely terrible out there. And I know the Syracuse kicker made the kick, but what Mark Rick was most worried about, uh, Michael Badgley had slipped twice on kickoffs. And what he was most worried about is trying a field goal, having Badgley slip. The ball gets kicked into the, into the back of the line. Syracuse scoops it up and scores a cheap touchdown. And that was the last thing he wanted to, he wanted to see. So he, he decided to be aggressive there and go for it on that fourth down. So that was the, that was the thought process um, behind that decision. And then the last um, sequence that was brought into question was in the Georgia Tech game uh, when Rick was throwing fade passes to short receivers. And that's obviously come up a lot. And the Georgia Tech DBs easily knocked the ball away, and they didn't, they didn't complete it. And the question is, you know, why wasn't, weren't they using tall receivers like Langham, uh, for example? And, you know, Mark Rick, when he addressed this after Georgia Tech, basically said that he feels that all the receivers are coached to run all of the routes in the offense – that they don't break it down like you got to have a big receiver running a fade. Um, I'm not sure I'm totally buying that 100%. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it just makes too much sense, and there's a reason everybody's asking the questions is because it makes so much sense that when you have big receivers like Daryl Langham, like Lawrence Cager, you know, on the football team, it, it just makes it, it makes sense if you're going to throw fade routes to to throw it to your bigger receivers. So. Uh, the one thing I will say is I, I don't think we saw the same thing against Syracuse, which means um, I think it's safe to assume that that issue was cleaned up a bit during the week. And um, I'll be surprised if we see it again. You know, the one thing that Mark Rick uh, is showing is he's seeking perfection out there every week. And when these coaches sense that something's wrong or they're doing something wrong or the players are doing something wrong, they seem to be pretty quick to correct it. So, um, you know, we didn't see that problem this week, and I'd be surprised if we saw it in the future. Okay. Now, my next point is I, I like – I think the team's doing very well. Uh, and I hear, I listened to Mike Farrell's podcast saying that Miami's very lucky to be undefeated. And he said that they're going to make their run next year. I, I think I think they could make their run this year. I agree, and you know it's they Mike's have not opinion. played their best game yet. Absolutely not. not they have close. not. 
not not even close. Totally agree with you. I mean, that's Mike's opinion. He's entitled to his opinion. He's he, you know, he he's he's more objective, I think, than any of us. But um, you know, Miami is lucky to be undefeated. I, I mean, think about okay. it. The Florida State game yeah. came down to that one play. The Georgia Tech game came down to that one play. If that one play goes in the other direction, you could have two losses right now. But getting oh. lucky, Greg part of the deal in football, whether it's the NFL, whether it's college. I mean, we, we talk about it every August when we sit here and try to make predictions on how the season's going to go. I'll be the first to always say there's going to be four, five, six games over the course of the season that are going to come down to a play here, a play there, a little luck here, a little luck there. They lost those games last year. Uh, You know, they, they lost those four last year and, you know, this year they're winning the close games and, and, you know, obviously you hope it continues because I think Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are going to be pretty tough games. Right. Well, last year Clemson lost to Pittsburgh and they, they were lucky NC State missed the chip shot field goal. So I mm-hmm. guess they were lucky to win the national. Uh, that's what, yeah, that's what I just said. Absolutely, everybody's lucky. Okay, Alabama when they win national titles, they get lucky a few weeks a year. I mean, everybody gets lucky. Uh, Luck's now, part of the deal. I know we just said they haven't played their best game, but until they, until they are able to punch it in from the three yard line on the ground and not get gouged for these ridiculous third and 20s on a quarterback draw from the two-yard line, you're not going to win national championships with that kind of play. I don't – we keep getting gouged on these run plays. Is is that Manny Diaz's defense? High risk, high reward? I don't think so. You know, I, I think that there were a couple plays. It, it, it happened twice, right? I remember two instances where something like that happened. And I think it had to do with the way they were playing defense in this game. A lot of man coverage. So your cornerbacks are chasing receivers out on the perimeter. And they were running a lot of stunts and things at the line of scrimmage. And I think a couple times they got caught without a guy in a gap. And, uh, you know, that quarterback was an elusive kid and then he got loose at that, that time and, or maybe it was him twice. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but uh, you know, I think that's why I think it was, it was a, it was a byproduct of the defense that they were playing in that game because of the way that Syracuse runs plays, Greg, they felt like they had to go man um, in the secondary. They, they didn't, they didn't feel like they would have time to, worry about signals and adjustments and things like that. They, they, they felt like their best shot at defending that offense, the way that Syracuse plays it was to man up the corners and safeties and have them just know that they're responsible for that guy in front of them. And when you're playing man defense, as you know, you know, you're focused on your receiver and you're running with your receiver and you're not always aware of what's going on all the time around you. So, I think that's what happened. I think they got caught a couple times. I don't see it as anything that's anything to worry about as a major problem long term. I, you know, I, I think it was a, it was a byproduct of this one game and how they were playing defense. Now, the other problem you're talking about, which is short yardage offense, I think you have a couple things at play. I think that you have an offensive line. 
I mean, they're, they're stubborn, and, and they're going to keep trying to make it a, a physical, um, powerful blocking offensive line. They're not going to give up in that regard. You hear the coaches talk about it today. We talked to Thomas Brown. He brought it up. They want to be a tough physical football team. You know, they, 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 they want to be able to take the game to the other team as opposed to vice versa. Now, as far as the offensive line is concerned, I don't know that I'm convinced that the personnel is really built for that. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't feel that it is personally. doesn't mean I'm right or wrong or whatever. It just would be my opinion. I'm not sure that that's really what they're built for. I see this offensive line as more of like a finesse offensive line. And I think they've gotten pretty good at being a finesse offensive line, probably playing better than a lot of people thought they would play this year. But I don't see them as a drive blocking, I'm going to blow your butt right off the ball and, and score, you know, on first and goal from the three kind of offensive line. And I think they're trying to be that. You know, I think we've seen a lot of sequences down there where they run up the middle on first down. It doesn't succeed. It runs, they run up the middle on second down. It doesn't succeed. Now they're in third down. They're in a one-play situation, succeed or fail. And if they fail, then, then the logical choice is usually to kick the field goal. Uh, so, yeah. except when Mark Rick has told him to go for it, but usually the sensible thing is at that point is you kick the field goal, you take the points. So, you know, I, I think that they're trying to be to to be a certain type of team and a certain type of offense. I'm not sure that the personnel fits what you know what their end goal is, and uh, it'll be interesting to watch the play calls as the season goes on, and you get into some of these more critical games. The tendencies when opponents look at the tendencies are going to show that inside the five short yardage, Mark Rick likes to run the ball. He does. Um, if they throw the ball, it's, it's usually going to be a fade. I think they're going to need a few more wrinkles in the offense in these tough games. I, I think they're going to, you know, have, have to have some play action passes in the game plan that they can call on in those situations to kind of cross, cross things up. We'll, you know, we'll see what, Mark Rick decides to do, but I'm just not convinced that when it comes to Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, that they're going to be able to line up and just blow them off the ball. Now, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I think they're determined, like I said, to be able to do it. Uh, one last thing. I, I put on the mess. I don't normally go on these message boards, but I put out an idea. Oh, man, you don't know what you're missing, there. Greg. You're missing a lot of I, I read them all the time, but I don't just don't answer to them. I said that we should hire Pat Sertain Sr. as an assistant since we, have to, we can hire another assistant for next year. Then you guarantee to get his son. I don't see that happening. And they don't need another. They already have two defensive back coaches. What do they need a third for? Well, he, he's if been I, a head You know what I think they should use that last spot for? I think Mark Rick would benefit from another eye in the sky. I think he would benefit from another eye in the sky. I would find myself a veteran offensive coach who's been through all the wars that could sit up there in the booth with with John Rick and just look at what the defense is doing and present ideas to Mark on the headsets. That's what I, that's what I would do with that. That, you know, I don't think they need another DB coach. Okay. Now what? But we'll see. Maybe, 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 maybe they take your suggestion. We don't know what they're going to do. I hope so. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
Can I just ask you something about the basketball? How how bad is this going to hurt the recruiting? Are we going to get any players this year? Due to this, uh, I, would, uh, I would say to, to be determined. I would say to be determined, Greg. It, it's going to hurt recruiting a lot. It already has. Uh, they were in the mix for some really, really good players that they're not going to get now. And uh, so in terms of recruiting high school players, it's going to hurt a lot. And I think what it's going to do ultimately is change their recruiting game plan. You know, I think that to, to get through this year, they're going to have to look for maybe a fifth-year uh, transfer or two. Um, I think they may have to look for, uh, you know, just a, a regular transfer, possibly. I think it's going to be really hard to recruit high school players when everybody thinks that the program's under investigation and, has, and they have no idea where it's going. I mean, Jim Laranega could say, I did nothing all he wants, but – you know, there's going to be another coach on the other side saying, and you're going to believe that and put your whole future, a college career, you know, in, in the hands of that, as opposed to going to school B and not having to worry about that stuff. So it's hurting. And I, and I think it'll continue to hurt and it'll change the approach. And the answer to your question of how much it's hurting them, I think will depend on who they can get to transfer. All right. All right, Gary. Thanks Makes again. Sense. I'll talk to you. Yes, a lot of sense. Thank you. All right, I'll talk All right, to you Greg. next week. Hey, thank, thank you as always for being part of the show, man. Good talking to you. Give All us a call right, next week. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three. Greg got us off to a good start. Sure, we got a lot more great calls coming up here. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to be one of them. Let's go out now to the three zero five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you tonight? Doing great. Who's this? Adam. Hey, what's up, Adam? How are you doing this evening? Uh, good. couple things. One, I'm amazed with the development of Michael Jackson. He looked really good on a number of plays on Saturday. I Amazing. didn't think we could get a – yeah. That, he looked, he, he looked so good on like Saturday, that. it was ridiculous how good he looked. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, I was yeah. like, my God, this, this kid is just – uh, coming to his own. And, you know, somebody was asking on the message boards, oh, does he run 4-4 four, four now? No, he doesn't run 4-4. Four, four. But Syracuse's receivers yeah. don't run 4-4 four, four either. So, you know. No, he, he did a great job on Phillips. I think that's who he shadowed most of the game. Because I think great Young job. was on Ishmael, and he did an amazing job on Phillips. I mean, he didn't give Phillips really anything. And the only catches Phillips made was one was on that busted coverage on third and 25, and the others were just those little screen passes that Syracuse likes to run. But he yep. really didn't get Phillips, let Phillips really get downfield. So Absolutely amazing. I, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the, the column I wrote today about the coaching staff and the yeah. job they're doing, but um, th- this is coaching. I mean, this is, yeah. this is, this is the work of the coaching staff and, and the way that they yeah. coach every kid on the roster every day. And, that's why you're yeah. seeing, like, Michael Jackson do what he's doing. I mean, Hayden Mahoney came in for two games yeah. and played spectacular. I mean, that guy, nobody ever mm-hmm. would have dreamed that, that he would ever play for the Hurricanes. He was one of the guys that you would, would have been saying he's going to transfer yeah. out to create room for another recruit. Yeah, I mean, and also even Langham. He was buried so deep on the depth chart going into the year. Man, and he's, he's, a, he's making he's the play after play. 
he's making play after play. Another thing, is Cager in the in Rick's doghouse? Because I, I don't think I saw him for all but a number of plays on Saturday. Yeah, or we didn't see him just watch... been passed up. Or is he just I, I been think he hasn't been playing the... well. You know, I think I think he hasn't been playing well, and they decided to give other guys an opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, because Langham looked good. I mean, Mon Richards, was it more rust on those drops? Because I think last year he would have at least had that touchdown pass that he dropped in his back pocket. Yeah, you know, he hasn't been practicing a lot, and I think he was, like, really keyed up for this game to, mm-hmm. to, to play and do well. And, um, you know, he just, he just you know, he's too, too, too anxious, too anxious to make big plays, and he just wasn't focusing on catching the ball. He knows it. He's got, a, he'll, yeah. he's got it straightened out. You, you know how good of a player he is. That's not going to – I don't see that as a lingering, no, lingering issue. Oh, no. He made a number of good catches. I was just thinking of, like, the one – the touchdown pass, the two touchdown passes. The one that he dropped, I think, on second down, and then the one he dropped in the end zone last year. I was thinking he would have had both of those in his back pocket. No doubt, and but that's you know, it's it's because he he hasn't been practicing as much, and he's he was game rusty. Okay. okay, a couple more questions. One, and I'm going to follow up on what Greg said. He was talking about recruiting. Do you see there being any chance that Larinaga might be suspended? Because with Not if he's telling the truth that he didn't do anything. Because if he's telling the truth and he adamantly is saying he did nothing wrong, then no, I don't see him being suspended because Miami's not going to suspend them. They're going to stand by him. Yeah. And if there's no evidence that he did anything wrong, eventually the FBI is going to exonerate him. And there's no well, NCAA issue at this point. You know? Okay. Well, I'm thinking because I thought I had heard somewhere that the FBI tried to subpoena his record. Yeah, they got his record. I don't know. He, he, he gave yeah. them all his records. Oh, okay. You know, and and, um, it, and, it, and it'll show that he had phone calls with some of those guys, I'm sure. But that doesn't mean he yeah. talked about what they say there that, that he talked about. No. It, it, I mean, Larry Nega, from everything I've heard, he's like a stand-up guy. That's why it's so shocking. Look, it's not a matter of stand-up guy or not stand-up guy. It's a matter yeah. of, you know, does anybody really have any uh, – you know, you're talking about yeah. a huge amount of money, okay, being offered to this kid. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it certainly wasn't coming out of Larinaga. You know, Larinaga wasn't involved yeah. in giving that, kid, giving that kid that kind of money. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. Adidas was trying to. Maybe Adidas wanted yeah. the kid – at an Adidas school. Maybe Adidas wanted the kid in the Adidas camp so that mm-hmm. if he was a one-and-done or two-and-done and went into the NBA, that as a rookie, he signed with Adidas. I mean, that's, how, that's, why mm-hmm. they, that's really why they, they do that stuff. It's not just, yeah. oh, hey, I want the kid to go to our, one of our schools. I mean, that, you know, the, the mm-hmm. real reason is they want his equipment deal when he goes into the NBA. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I think it's. Yeah. I think you know. I I think it's highly doubtful that anyone's going to be able to pin this on Jim Laranega. Okay. I'll be surprised at the end of the day if the Adidas guys really try to, because there's no evidence yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. You know, what is that? Um, and- what is that guy got to gain 
when there's no, I mean, there's no evidence of, of Jim Laranega doing this. I mean, the only evidence the FBI had was the, the Adidas guys having a conversation with each other where they represented that he had signed off on it. But what yeah. does signed off on it mean? You know, maybe, maybe their version of signed off on it meant that he said that they were recruiting the kid and would take him. Doesn't mean that he told them yeah. to pay him one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's true. So okay. To, to answer your question, I I do not think it's going to go anywhere, but it is going to hurt the program. Okay. I think it's going to set the program back at least one or two years because it's going yeah. it's going it's going to it's going to have the same effect of being in trouble even if they're not in trouble. Yeah, I mean, and the big loss would also be in 2019 if we don't get, like, Vernon Carey Jr. because of that family lineage. And I think he's one of the top recruits in 2019. And if that happens, no doubt, then you're right. It, um, and a couple more questions. One, um, any news um, on recruiting, like with Tyson Campbell or Pastor Tate Jr.? If they're really interested, if Miami's going to be in it at the end? Uh, well, they're still in it. And if they're going to sign December 20th, we're getting close to the end. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, they are still in it with both kids. Yeah. Um, and my question in this is do you see any similarity, and I really hope that you don't, between this team and the 2013 team? Because if you remember going into the FSU game, we had won a lot of games come from behind. Like I think it was against Wake and then against whoever, North Carolina as well. Or do you think this team is so much? Your defense and your defensive coaching is way better than 2013, right? Yeah. But what about like offensively as well? Because that was well, offensively, I, it might be comp- it's probably comparable. I mean, you know, the, the, Miami's always had good players on offense yeah. during the during the Al Golden time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, and people love to pick on Kaya, but he was a representative quarterback. You always had good receivers. You had tight ends. Yeah, you had running. You had running backs. Yeah. So the the the, the problems were more on defense, right? Yeah. I mean, I think under Golden, it was more read-react, whereas versus under this regime, which I love, is we're attacking the football, and that's leading to more big plays. Yep, no doubt. So so defensively, you think we're better now than we were in 2013, so we're not going to hit that ball when we hit a good team. Okay. Well, well I, don't so think do there's I. Any, I don't think there's any guarantees on anything. I mean, it doesn't mean that they won't have a bad yeah. game. I mean, they – you know, they really haven't played as well for four quarters as a lot of people thought they would that are listening to no, the show and tonight. I, no, and I think that's the only frustrating thing is that we haven't seen them, and that's why hopefully we're not looking past North Carolina and we can put it together for one full four quarters where it's not – we don't do great and then we do poorly and do great. We can just put it together for one game. Well, Instead you know, I would say like, it's frustrating, Adam. I would say it's frustrating, yeah. except for the fact that they've won every game. So That's it true. might be it might be a good thing. It, it it might mean that this team hasn't come close to peaking yet, and they might get progressively yeah. better here over the last uh, month or so of the season. And you might get great games out of them in against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. 
I mean, that would be great because Notre Dame, even though I hate saying this, they did look good against USC. They look and great. And I hate saying that. Yeah, and I hate saying that. Uh, just feels wrong. Um, but anyway, um, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we can just show what we have against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame and not because I don't know if that inconsistency is going to work against them. No doubt. So what else you got, Adam? Anything yeah. else? Uh, no, thanks for taking my call. Have a great rest of the show. All right. Thanks, as always, for being part of it. All right, guys, let me take a moment here and tell you a little bit about – you've heard me talk about them in the past – movement watches. And um, I'm telling you, the more people that get these watches and see how nice they are, the more thank me for talking about it on Kane Sport Live because they never would have known about movement. They never would have gone on the – on the website, they wouldn't have even known to become one of the over a million people who have bought these movement watches in 160 countries around the world, solidifying movement as the world's fastest growing watch company. It's MVMT. That, that, that's, that's how it's spelled. It's pronounced movement, but it's MVMT. When you go online to, ch- to check it out, you'll go to MVMT.com slash Cane Sport, so you can get the special that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But Movement is a unique company because it was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches but couldn't afford them. So what they did was they started their own watch company, and uh, that solved that problem. Suddenly, they were making all kinds of great watches, and they can complete your look, whether you're dressing up or down. They have a lot of different variety. The Movement watches start at just $95, and at the at a department store, if you were looking at a similar type of watch, you might be forced to pay $400, $500. And um, they figured out that by selling online and exclusively online, that they were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup and provide you with the best possible price. And uh, their watches have classic designs, quality construction, and styled minimalism. And you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com forward slash canesport. This watch has a really clean design. I've been getting tons of compliments on the ones that I have. And now it's time for you to step up your watch game. So go to mvmt.com slash canesport and join the movement. And uh, we thank movement for putting this deal together for you guys who listen to Kane Sport Live and, uh, Maybe with the holidays coming up, it might be something you might want to ask your significant other to get for you or something. Go check them out on the website at nvmt.com slash canesport, and you'll see what I'm talking about. they got some really nice designs and some real hip looks, and uh, I don't think you'll be unhappy at all if you do so. All right, let's get back to the show, 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, and let's go out now to the four two three. You are live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Elijah Green, twenty five. What's happening? Hey, what's up? You you said on the message boards you were going to call the show. I guess you got off work. Of course. Yeah, I did get off work rather earlier. Um, so, anyways, work was good. Um, how about them Canes, man? Doing good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. 
So my thing is, um, I've been I've been doing looks looking at all the stats and everything else, and I've been trying to figure out who this came to remind me of. And the number one thing that always brings me back to is the 1983 Miami Hurricanes that were, of course, probably the, and I, I hate to say this, but they're probably the weakest championship team that we ever had. But no it was very much like this year. Um, they, they were very well talented. Very well yeah, coached, right? Extremely well coached. Yeah, you got everything. I mean, it's like you had the same thing. You had a red shirt. Um, uh, you had a red shirt quarterback. Same thing that you had in Bernie Kosar. You have in Malik Rozier. You didn't have. Um, you, you didn't have the best running back. Staff. It was more like a running back by committee. But we kind of, you know, have Homer, which is doing his thing right now. So I mean, hats off to him. Um, the defense was about the same thing. You, you had um, probably a better secondary in that year, but we have more complete as far as defensive line, same scenario. You had a very, we have a better defensive line than we had then. So, I mean, I'm just comparing all these things. The only thing I'm just, like, looking at is I'm like, it's the same as that scenario, 1983. Who do we play in the championship game? Nebraska. What did they say about Nebraska? Oh, it's the best thing out there. Nobody can beat them. Who beat them? We beat them. So, I mean, I just want to know, what about you? Do you see those same similarities? Similar to this year, same thing with Bama. Everybody's saying nobody can beat Bama. Now, of course, I'm not saying that we can beat Bama now, but I'm looking at that same 1983 team. They got better as the, as the year progressed, and that's the same thing that's happening with this team. That's a great, great analogy if you think about it because uh, the Bama back then was, was Nebraska. Everybody thought that Nebraska team was one of the best teams in the history of college football. And Miami got better, as you said, as, as time went by. They were very well coached. They had a month to get ready for Nebraska. They put together a phenomenal game plan for that game, and they got it done. And um, so, you know, now that you present it like this, I mean, yeah, I would say there's some similarities in, in that regard, as this is a team that figures to get better here over the last month of the season, I think. I don't think, uh, like people have noted earlier in the show, that we've come close to seeing the best that this team has to offer. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how they do in these big games coming up. Right. I don't think they have peaked. Um, of course, it's it's almost uh, – I, I don't know what it is. The team doesn't focus unless they absolutely need a focus. And when they focus, they make play after play after play. We couldn't drive um, against Florida State for the whole entire game just about until we finally decided, hey, look, We're going to have to go win this game. We did did what we had to do. Same thing with Georgia Tech. We struggled on offense for, you know, for for a better part of the the second half until that final drive in which everything clicked. Where you're – it's like Malik all of a sudden. He's not – I mean, he's a a great quarterback, and I I cannot say anything about him. To me, I think he's very much – he's got that it factor like Ken Dorsey in which when they – kind of like a Brock Berlin, meaning that when you need to come back, he's got that ice in his vein. He's not a Ken Dorsey that he's going to make all the right plays yet. I think he's progressing there. Um, but he doesn't always take what the defenses give him, and he always takes too many big shots. Um, sometimes he's on the money, sometimes he's not. I think the Syracuse game, he was dead on, but all the receivers dropped the ball. Um, he was taking everything that the defense was giving him, and taking his shots, measuring when, knowing when to take his shots. But every time he did that, the receivers would drop the ball. So, I mean, I think he's, he's progressing. I'm hoping 
that, like the last caller said, this um, North Carolina game is a day is a game that we finally turned the corner, which would be ideal because that's also the same time when we really started this five um, this eleven game win streak was around the month of November. So getting to that, I believe Mark Rich kind of really gets a better feel of his team, like how you guys pointed out on the um, on the on the homepage where. He's breaking down some understanding the defenses and understanding his offense, knowing that he can't that they don't understand who to block. So he puts them in a scheme in which they 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 know who to block. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking that we're 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 getting there, um, hands down. Yeah, I don't know that I agree with you about the lack of focus thing that you mentioned. Um, I don't think that they've okay. been inconsistent because of lack of focus. I, I think that the defense has maybe not played as well as would be expected. I think, you know, at times the defensive line hasn't played as well. I don't think Joe, Joe Jackson is getting into it the way he needs to. Um, maybe part of it is they're rotating so much. Guys aren't getting into a flow and a rhythm. That could be part of it. Uh, but offensively, I, I don't, I, I think it, it, it's the problems on third down. You know, if you look at how poor they've been on third down and in pretty much every game, that right there is, is, is where your issues are offensively. I mean, they're moving the ball. They're putting up plenty of yards, but they're breaking down on third downs, and it's killing a lot of drives, like in that in the, near midfield or at the 40 or something. And, and, you know, I think that's the biggest problem they have right now uh, as, a, as a football team. They have to get better on third down. Right. I hear you on that, but just, just imagine this, though. If the game is on the line, do they make those plays? The answer so far has always been yes. Yeah. So that's why, to me, I mean, that's the only reason why I'm saying it has to be a focus because when you absolutely have to make a play and you, the results are going to be you don't, you know I mean, the game's over, you lose, or you don't, you know, it's too close and you put it on the back of the defense, when the game is over, they make a play. Um, about the defense, personally, I think, um, which nobody has really mentioned, we have to do man-to-man. Because we would have never gotten four interceptions against this quarterback. This quarterback that we played against, he's lights out really, really good. But when we play zone coverage, I don't think that we know exactly um, all the assignments. And that's, that goes with the players, not so much the coaches. But when we play man-to-man, you see somebody like Michael Jackson who, I, I mean, I, I think that has a lot more to do with the, the system that was played at that game that – basically enhance his playing skills because when he played man to man, he's getting picks left and right. When they're playing they zone had, Go ahead. I was just gonna say they, they had great game plans on both sides of the ball. It's amazing that the game was as close as it was. Yeah. I mean but that that goes with execution and that's something I mean to me I think the offense can execute once they once they're focused. Um I wish somebody in the player would have like a players only meeting saying, Hey look, we need to do this. What is it that some, for whatever reason, Malik doesn't throw the ball on target um, whenever the game is not on the line, but when the game is on the line, he puts it on a dime. Um, what is it that all of a sudden the receiver would miss the ball, you know? Um, well, of course, Langham needs to be in, hands down. I mean, he's the only one who's, who's, who stays focused throughout the game. Why he's not getting in, I understand it's because of Richards, um, and that will – Eventually, you know, I mean, Richards is Richards. He's going to do his thing. So, I mean, that's, that's okay. But they have got to have more packages with Richards and Langham together because um, those two 
they'll catch anything that's thrown their way. This safe well, there's, there, the there's rest times the team, where they where, where they're scheming that they'll put Richards in the slot and in situations like that. You might see that going forward, but for the most part, they play the same position. Yeah, yeah, and that's I wish that they didn't. You know, I mean, I wish that they would basically play more of a personnel based approach instead of more like um, you know whatever. You know, what I mean, the way that they have it set up because I, I think Langham. Langham and Richards should both be on the field as much as often as, as, often as possible. They're that good. Um, Cager, well, going back to that, go ahead. You know, I, I think you're basing your opinion, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, it, this comes up with the coaching staff as well because, you know, they hear it. They, they're hearing it all over the place, uh, you know, just, just because of the big plays that Langham has made down the stretch of games. I mean, that's what everyone's talking about. Why isn't Langham playing more? Langham should play more. But, you know, the point that a coach made to me today, and I had this, I had this exact conversation, uh-huh. and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say who because I don't want I don't want to violate the sanctity of the conversation. That's, but but cool. but but the the conversation we had is that you know people don't understand that they're basing the decisions that they make on who plays on what plays and when on what goes on every day on the practice field uh, over months, like, you know, an entire body of work. They're not, they're not reacting based on the fact that, you know, Langham made the big play to win the Florida state game, or he made the, the juggling catch against Georgia tech. They're looking at every route, every play, Every, how he executes every assignment over hundreds and hundreds of plays on the practice field over months. So I got you. You know, I, I think you know the idea. I think people just got to trust what they're doing. I mean, it's a very good coaching staff. It, it, they're not perfect, but they know what they're doing. And you know, I, I think that you're seeing Langham get playing time. I don't know what his what his play count was, but he certainly was way more involved in the Syracuse game than he was the Florida State game for example. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you just got to trust him. I mean, it, you know, Amon Richards is going to play a lot more than Daryl Langham. What, what, what about Cager? Who backs up Cager? Because Cager, Cager I, don't Cager, think, I, mean, I don't think Cager touched the field against Syracuse. I'm going to double check. I mean, honestly, he I'm, shouldn't. I'm going to double check that right now. State game, he, he that just, State he, game was the worst. Yeah, he's um, was, he's been struggling. Uh, probably doesn't have his confidence. Maybe, you know, I don't know if his knees bothering him again or whatever, but uh, he didn't play at all. I'm looking at it right now. He did not touch the field. He, no, he got on the field because I remember they talked about his brace. He took his brace off because I remember watching that. He got on the field, I think, for one play or two plays. And well, if he, he did, if he did the, the, official, the official statisticians missed it because he's not he's not on the participation report. I'm looking at it right now. I got so, okay. Well, if he did get in, they missed it. I mean, he's been MIA. I mean, that that Florida State game would have been different. I remember seeing the ball just hit his hands, and that's why I'm just trying to go back to say that focus thing. That same ball hits Richard's hands or or hits Lingus' hands. They're not missing that ball. They're catching that ball. The, the stage is not too big for them, and that's why I'm just saying. I understand that you have your your personnel who goes first and who goes second, but Langham, man, he's, in my opinion, there's no way he does not go. I mean, that's, even if you had two Michael Jordans on the team, 
you would not put one behind the other. You put both the men at the same time and play. I don't care if they're supposed to play the same position. You find a way to put both of the men on the same game. Um, well, you got to remember they, they have a scheme in place, and you know they're playing Mike Harley a lot. There's a reason, and not because he's catching yeah. all kinds of passes or anything, but you know he's helping stretch the field. He's making the defense yeah. defend the entire field, and and uh, Langham can't do that. He doesn't have that kind of speed. So you know everybody's got a role. Everybody's you know got a reason for being out there and doing what they're doing. And like I said, I think you, you think just got to trust. I think you got to trust the coaches. You think they're going to have a red zone package then? Because if you really can't stretch the field where it gets shorter, why not have Langham and Richards both in um, for that package? I mean, well, that, that would make sense. Absolutely. But, you know, right. maybe you. they just haven't gotten to that um, yet because Richard, Richards hasn't been – he hasn't been healthy that much. Gotcha. Well, I just got a few more things, man, to talk about. I know there's a whole bunch of people on there, man. I'm just, I'm just live right now going – I mean, just pumped up about this thing. Um, you you are live. That's why, that's why we're letting you stay on as long as you're on, because you're live. You're talking about good stuff. People, I'm sure, are enjoying All right. it. Right. So one thing I want to point out is the defense. Our, a lot of people want to knock our defense saying we're not as good as we should be. But the defense is dynamic, meaning that if it needs to stop the run, we'll stop the run like how we did Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is a team that was averaging 400-something yards per game rushing. We held them down to 226. Ain't nobody else in the in the state – and, um, and all of America is going to hold them down to what we did. So hats off to that part. Um, same thing with Syracuse. Syracuse, man, 14 total completions out of 44. And that's part of the reason why I'm saying I wish we'd go more to man because we took that kid's heart out. I mean, he was he was still wanting to play, but his mind was – he couldn't play because we, you know, we, we messed him up so bad. I mean, he couldn't do anything but run the ball, and he ran the ball better than I mean than any quarterback that we've played against. But that's uh, that's the only way that they could get their yards. So, um, but yeah, last question that I want to ask you is uh, actually two questions. Um, first, first, so I'm, I'm let it be two parts. You can put me on hold. So the first part is, what are our playoff chances if we peak and stay healthy, and and basically meaning that we start playing four quarters. So what are our playoff chances to make it? And second as to that question, um, is there any team that you know Miami cannot beat if we, or if we start playing four quarters at our best level? You can put me on those. All right. I think, well, to make the playoff, you have to go, in the, you go, you have to go undefeated. Miami won't make the playoff as a one-loss team, I don't think. Um, so right. I think they have to go undefeated. That's number one. Um, and, and I think that if they can beat Virginia Tech and they can beat Notre Dame, uh, of course they have a chance against Clemson. You know, I mean, you know, I don't think Clemson w- it, it would be an insurmountable opponent in Charlotte. So, um, you know, I wouldn't make the, I wouldn't predict an undefeated season for this team, but it's not like it would be like the greatest fluke in the history of college football either. You know, I mean, they're, they're playing right. well. And, 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 and I don't, I don't, you know, Notre Dame looks really good, but I don't think Notre Dame will be significantly better than Miami when but they Notre play in a few in a few weeks and Miami gets them at home. But who has Notre Dame really beat except USC? I mean I, think yeah, about I, it. I understand. But but they they they've pretty much blown out everybody they have played, let's be honest. I mean they've looked good. They, that, they're that's physical. True. They're executing better. They're executing yeah, a lot I mean, better than Miami is. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've they, they they they've had a pretty good st- you know first half of the season. Let's let's give them credit. But you know we'll see what happens. One one game at a time. You know it's like my yeah, feeling is enjoy, enjoy it. Go one game at a time. The Virginia Tech game it's going to be for all you know it's going to be for everything. You know quite honestly. Yeah. Um, you lose to Virginia Tech, even if you beat Notre Dame, you, I don't think you know you're gonna, you're probably not going to get to Charlotte. So you'll get a good New Year's Day bowl game if you finish yeah. uh, with with one loss and don't get to Charlotte. I think you could still go to a new one of the one of the big big bowl games, you know, the Fiesta or the Orange or something. But um, you know, we'll see. Just enjoy it, one game at a time. I got you. I'll All right, Elijah. Sure. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, right, appreciate man. that. Thank, Put me on hold. Yeah, great, great call. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three. Five six three nine 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 three six three three is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's slide down to the seven eight six where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary, how you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Everything Three O Five. Hey, how are you, man? Welcome back. Doing well. Gary, I was hoping you could give us uh, some update on the injury status. I saw you had something earlier on today, but I was wondering if you can get a little bit more in depth on all the different players and what, the, what their the health only status one is right now. That looks questionable to us going into this weekend is Dee Delaney. Um, he was out of practice in full uniform, spent a lot of time on the exercise bike. Uh, we we don't see the middle portion of practice. I don't know that he really. I don't. I doubt if he because he was on the bike, I would highly doubt that he took full-speed reps today. So I would say that he's probably highly questionable for this week. Uh, probably, I, if I had to make a bet, would not play. But everybody else looks like they got a shot to play. I mean, Donaldson was out there practicing. Um, Aman was out there practicing. He looks, you know, he should be fine. Um, well, Redwine already came back last week, so that would be it. And, and the reason I bring this up, because I've seen a couple people bring up and just heard conversations throughout the last couple of days about resting this kid or that kid, and I, I just hope that we all go back and get back to our sense of reality here. Uh, you're playing a game on Saturday, and your goal is to go out there and beat that opponent. And if On the road. Whether you're on the road, and let me explain something to you. Let me remind something to, to everybody. Every time we go on the road to the ACC, not only are you playing playing against that team, you're playing against those officials. And we don't seem to get any breaks on the road. Rarely do we get them. So it, it, even though they're highly – I mean, North Carolina is highly, highly unmatched. They, they've got injuries. They've got kids hurt, kids suspended. They've got all these kind of issues. They don't have enough depth. We get all those things. But you still got to play the game. And watching them a little bit against Vod Tech and watching their previous games, they're an aggressive front on defense. They're not a passive yep. group at all. They're going to force us into plays. They're, they're going to be blitzing us. They're going to be aggressive. They're not going to die a slow death here. They're going to be aggressive. I'm not saying we're going to lose to them. I'm saying you've got to respect your opponent. And most importantly, Gary, you've got to be living in the moment. Enjoy every day. Let's not we keep looking ahead at the ACC final and, and making the playoffs. That's all stuff that we got to leave alone for right now. you got to stay focused on what you have because you have a team, that's got very little depth. You have a team that's got some coaches that are really doing a fantastic job. The job that Mike Rumpf has done with those DBs the last two years, I mean, it's phenomenal. Uh, Coach K with, with, the, with the defensive line. Uh, Cyril's is getting this line to play, although a finesse game, but they're, they're, they're getting more and more consistent in executing. 
uh, a lot of different things that the, that these coaches have brought about the individual development. And, yeah, we've been lucky at times this past couple of weeks. We've been a little lucky here and there. That's all part of the equation. But not to understand how critical this game is on Saturday, I mean, you've got to see the big picture. Every game is a challenge. And every time we go on the road, Gary, it's always. I mean, we're, we're playing against the opposing team and the, and the stripes. And I know it's, it's something that people don't acknowledge, but I have to acknowledge it because you see, you, you see the calls, the ball placements, the markings, uh, I mean, the chop blocks. I mean, you see everything that all of a sudden everything gets called. Uh, case in point, the Duke game a couple of years ago. I don't know how many PIs we had. And they were all, I mean, there was like six that were questionable. So, again, let's not, let's not just take this for granted. You know, we, we've got an opponent, and they're a worthy opponent. They're well coached. Fedor's a, a very good coach. And we got our hands full for the first half at least. I think they're going to give us a heck of a game. Yeah, well, I didn't see their game against Virginia Tech where Virginia Tech ended up with 59 points. But somebody said today that they really only scored – uh, 17 points against their defense. I don't know how that's possible. That's correct. That's much. correct. The first 14 points, the first seven came off of, off of defense, and the next seven came off special teams. And you had, uh, again, the, uh, special teams killed them a couple of times, and they didn't take care of the ball. Their quarterback situation, I mean, their offense isn't very good, to be honest with you. They're, 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 they, they, that's where they're hurting with numbers. I mean, you got a bunch of kids hurt, kids suspended, kids have left. Um, but on the defensive side, you know, that defense is a quality defense. They're just, unfortunately, they're on the field the whole time. So come the third and fourth quarter, they've got nothing left. Uh, and special teams have let them down. But I, I think they're a quality team. Uh, they, the, the record doesn't show that, but you've got to respect every opponent. And uh, I'm just hoping we, we have these kids focusing. Um, a couple of people earlier talked about, you know, the execution, the play calling, the clock management. I've got to remind people. They have forgotten more football than we'll ever know combined. They know, they know the game a lot better than we do. Now, unless you've ever done it for a living, you don't have an idea. You, you see, what you see on TV is not reality. Uh, you mentioned every day in practice. You know, they look at that film every day. You get graded every day as a player. You get graded as a coach every day and every week. And based on how you perform, that's, that's who's going to play. I mean, obviously health is a critical factor, but – um, again, let's let's see the big picture here. Everything is earned, and uh, we've got a mod who's been off and on healthy, and he's been banged up. Kid fights. He's a competitor. Great, uh, a great player. Had a couple drops the other day, but um, they've got packages. They know what they're doing. Uh, not every call is the right call, and they'll admit they make mistakes. And some are obvious to everyone. It's part of the game. Uh, but let's let's understand how lucky we are to have these guys. How lucky we are that we have an administration that's willing to open up the checkbook to pay for these guys. We've really evolved in the last two years. Hopefully that continues. Uh, but, again, I, I just hope we just keep an, uh, an even uh, an open mind when it comes to how fortunate we are to be in this situation to begin with. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Gary, um, I have never seen a quarterback that has given this defense as much issues as it did on Saturday, even though he threw for four interceptions, we could not stop that kid the third and fourth quarter he, to play. He was, he's such a competitor. Man. He's such a competitor. Uh, if there's a better quarterback in the ACC, I, I, I want to know who that guy is. Cause that guy might, I know the numbers don't say it, but man, that guy just has that will to win. I mean, he was carrying that entire team by himself. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if he's a great passer. I mean, he he had his moments the other day, but he, just the the whole package, the way he leads, his leadership ability, the way he you know the way he just would made big play after big play with his feet and things like that. I mean, I agree with you. It was really impressive. And after the game, Manny Diaz left the Miami sideline and went all the way across to the other bench area to find that kid and had about a 20-second congratulatory conversation with him. The kid was dead, dead exhausted. He could barely even respond to to what Manny was saying. But um, you could tell the respect that Manny had for the for the job that he had to do to stop that kid. And um, when Manny walked away from him, he, just, he was just, like, shaking his head like, you know, wow, you know, like – you know, I mean, they 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 really were extended to stop that kid, and and the way he competed is a tribute to him. Well, I, th- I think their offense plays right into his strengths, but most importantly, when the passing game wasn't there, and that was taken away by by the quality defense that we have got. You got to admit, our kids played phenomenal, and Trajan Bandy stepping up, coming in, playing a lot. Uh, Derek Carter played a little bit. I, I was I was really impressed with. All these youngsters, all these young bucks, uh, uh, Dean was able to play a little bit. They were able to come in and stick to the game plan and contribute and execute and say, okay, you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us with your legs. And that kid went ahead and said, okay, I'm going to beat you with my legs. And he and he, and he, he damn near did it. Uh, I was very impressed to see the type of performance that kid had and, more importantly, the resilience that our defense had. And Gary, we don't have a lot of depth in that secondary, man, but somehow they all they all came together and they got the job done. Well, I mean, the, the the few of the safeties, let's be honest, aren't playing great. You know, I don't. You know, I don't think Robert Knowles played a whole ton last week. You know, they kind of. I think about eight snaps is what I counted, about six or eight. Yeah, know. I didn't. I didn't count them like you did, but um, I didn't feel like he was playing a, a whole ton out there. Um, you know, they played Romeo a little bit, like you said. Um, they played uh, Derek Smith a little bit, and uh, it was nice to see him get a little more playing time. He. Clearly is not really ready yet. You know, he, he, he was a little lost on a few of those plays, but, you know, well, he bounced back. He blew an assignment on that. He, he blew that big assignment yeah. on third and 25. He released his guy to nobody. Yeah, he blew a big assignment. And we've yeah. seen that with Robert Knowles the last couple of weeks. So I, I was at least happy to see a young kid get a chance to play who's probably a little bit more talented and who might make the same mistake the kid has been here for four years making. Uh, and I was also happy to see the the kid from Palm Beach, Carter, who got Amari a lot Carter, of yes, as well. I mean, the, what you just said is really a, very accurate. I mean, those two young kids, Derek Smith and Amari Carter, are really talented. Like you could see what they potentially can be down the road. And right now, they're just really not ready. But the thing that is kind of interesting is, and they haven't been burned by it very much, is that. The coaches aren't worried about putting them out there. Like, you know, they're coaching them up during the week. And on game day, they're throwing them out there. <laughs> Even though they're clearly not really ready, they're giving them that baptism by fire because it's going to pay dividends down the road. And uh, I think I think in some ways a, a lot of the substituting that they're doing is keeping some of these games maybe closer than they need to be. Um you know, I don't see anybody totally exhausted when they walk off the field. Let's put it that way. I don't see anybody right. going in for IVs the way we used to see, like, Dan Morgan going to the locker room for IVs in the middle of the game against Florida State and things like that. We don't even come close to seeing that. I think there's a lot of rotation going on. Um, I think it affects some guys 
more than others. And I think it's part of the reason maybe why some of these games have been closer, but they're developing an entire roster. I think part of that development uh, explanation, I think it's on the money, but I think there's a one more one more component we're, we're missing here. Even if you only get five or six snaps, you're engaged throughout the whole week, and we're all we're more more than likely we're, we're going to all be on the same page, just a little bit tighter, because now you've got more ownership. Now you know in one second you're playing, and when no everybody doubt. plays, you divide them out. You know, I think that ownership leads to brotherhood. That brotherhood leads to executing that. Hopefully all those things then carry off off the field as well. And unfortunately with one of our kids, uh, with Michael Irvin II, we haven't seen too much of people holding him accountable in terms of his peers. And because he continues to make the same mistakes from what I'm hearing, Gary, we don't like to go to class. We don't like to go to class and we don't like to go to class and we like to miss study hall. Some of the mm-hmm. things that I, I, he's, he hasn't matured yet, but we do have – we do have examples, some good examples of everybody being together, but and then we have you know one or two kids that are going to make their mistakes, uh, but hopefully uh, this weekend the kids are able to go ahead and, and take care of business on the field. But I, I, I was very disappointed to see Michael Irvin the second not be there this past Saturday because because to be very honest, Paxton's one hell of a kid, great kid. He's he's, he's second generation, I, I believe, but you know what, he's not ready to play. I mean, there was no, one time Malik had a he had no clue, and Malik had a, had a quick – he had to go to him real quick, and, and he, that could have been a, a, an the interception ball. right there. He yeah, had he no idea the ball, the ball was coming. But uh, I, yeah, I think well, you're I making a good point. I, I think that, that, that there's trade-offs, and I think that maybe what you're – part of what you are getting is exactly what you said, a team where everybody feels like they're part of what's going on, that, that they're more focused during the week. You're – your practices figure to be better in situations like that, more more competition. Um, the scout team gets more energized. So uh, it, it could be a little bit of a trade-off. You know, maybe you're giving up a little bit by playing so many guys, uh, but you're gaining it in team chemistry and, and the way the team practices, which hopefully will pay dividends when they play better teams. One thing that, that I like with, uh, what Coach Rick has done uh, and his special teams coach, I believe it's Coach Hartley, They've uh, they've they've played more kids on special teams, and more kids are getting you know their playing time there. This upcoming weekend, I, I really hope that they're able to to get some big plays out of their special teams. Uh, Carolina's very thin, so especially after you see the second and third, you know their punt team, their punt coverage team, their kickoff coverage team. When you see that as the game goes on, those kids are playing so many damn snaps, they're dead. And us being able to keep fresh, I'm hoping we get at least some major contributions from our, our return game uh, this upcoming Saturday. But uh, Jeff Thomas, the contribution he's made, and Gary, I've got a really good friend in East St. Louis who's been there forever, been around all these athletes for years and was involved with the, Cur- the Joyner-Cursey family. And, and he told me, he swore to me, he's like, hey, this kid will not make it. Once you look at the transcript, there's going to be a, c- a couple of issues. We went to and took some courses here and there, whatever, whatever. But he always told me this kid will play in the league one day. And the closest thing he could compare him to, he says, he's like Hester. Not as, uh, he's not as um, explosive as Hester, but he's the closest thing you guys have ever had <clears throat> that'll be like Hester. And, I, I, Gary, I see flashes of it, but then sometimes, I don't know, in the passing game, it's almost as if he has to stop to find the ball or slow down because <laughs> he's, he's outrun the ball. Then he, he can't catch it again and then take off. 
in the same gear that Hester would do. I don't know if I'm making myself clear with that. No, I mean, I think with Thomas, it's just learning how to get open. Uh, I don't think I agree. He's not as explosive as Hester. No, he's not. Uh, but the the biggest thing he has to learn, and you're seeing progress in this regard, is how to get open. It's you you can't you're not just out running guys in the college game. You have to know your craft, and you have to um, have good technique in in what you're doing. And I think we saw that on his touchdown play the other day. If you go back and watch that play, look at his footwork on his release. He sets the man up and, really well. Yeah, yeah. And look at what a great job he did getting off the line of scrimmage on that play. And then once he did that. Now he can go win the foot race because he's got the guy beat from the get-go. And, you know, that, that, that's why I said before the year that a lot of people thought that this kid was going to be a superstar in his first year. And um, I, I just never felt that was reality. I mean, these kids, they have, they have to learn and they, they need their time to grow. And I think you're seeing steady growth in him. And probably by next year, he should be ready to, to be a much more polished receiver. Uh, my last thing before I go, it's always on recruiting, Gary, because, you know, that's that's pretty much the heart and soul of every quality top ten, top five program. Um, somebody mentioned earlier that we've got an extra coaching position that we're that's available now uh, with the start of the, seven, the 18 uh, season, eight, or school year, rather. My question is, wouldn't you want that person, first and foremost, to be someone that can help CMR, but also can really impact recruiting. I, mean, I, I would. Get a, it's it's, it's got to be someone that's a great recruiter. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would look at, I would look at either a veteran offensive coach that could help game planning and be an extra eye in the sky. I, I think the program could benefit from a guy like that. And if that's not the way that that it goes, I would go for a recruiter, and I would. Try to lure. I would consider trying to lure Mario Cristobal from Oregon. We're to, on the to same come back. page. We're on the same page, Gary. We're on the same page. You know, We're I, I think you'd have, to sit, you'd have to sit down with him. You'd have to make it clear that you're not coming here to audition to be head coach or whatever. You know, you, that that would be an issue. You know, far down the road. I, I I do think Mark Rick will at least coach out this contract and. You know, that's another four years after this one. And if he wants to stay longer than that, he will be able to stay as long as he wants at Miami. I don't um, – so you don't really need somebody that's going to upset the chemistry that this coaching staff has. But to me, and I know he, he's trying to become a head coach again, and that's why he's out there because he, he's a co-offensive coordinator and he's continuing to develop as a coach and everything. But – to me, Mario Cristobal being in Oregon is just a total, total waste of time. And, uh, you know, it's like I, I think that if he was approached in, in, and, and it was discussed in the right way, that they potentially could lure a guy like that into, back into the program and that he can maybe make his greatest impact in overseeing recruiting or something like that. And, um, you know, just being an extra offensive coach or, th- you know, however it works out, you know, will, will that happen? I have no idea, but, well, you, you know, my, but, I guess my, when my, I think my about that, that was, coaching jo- job that's going to come open, uh, that that's what goes through my mind. My, my last thing is, you know, I, I haven't the, the opportunities I've had in my life. The one thing I was always very blessed with is, coming in as a GA or as a restricted earnings coach was the guys who put the time in were always rewarded when a full-time coaching position came open. 
they were always rewarded with that opportunity if, if, if our head coach felt we were ready for that opportunity or recommended to another program or inside that network as a full-time coach. Do you think there's somebody on staff now, anybody on staff now that is not uh, uh, per se one of the actual coaches, uh, but a Baez or um, or a Cooney or someone, I think Cooney's a little bit young, but anybody in the staff or on staff that should be able to slide into another position that's created, which would not, you know, put further, you know, financial, uh, bigger financial costs on the coaching staff, but someone that can come in in one of those roles. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can't. I don't really know. I can't answer that question. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you've got you've got Joel Rodriguez, who I'm sure correct. wants yeah, to be a coach in the yeah. program. Um, you know, but I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, it, it, it's definitely been Mark Rick's pattern. I mean, you see it here. I mean, Todd Hartley. He got his yeah. big coaching break coming to Miami with Rick. Um, yeah. You see it with Thomas Brown, who Rick, you know, has is t- turned into an offensive coordinator type position very early in his career. Um, you know, uh, the other guys. And, and, and were, Gary, and Gary, uh, things keep going well. Better. Brown won't be here very long. Brown will not be here very long. Things continue to go very well. I would he's a say very that. sharp kid. Yeah, I think he's yeah, he sharp is. as can be. He's, he's a really, really good sharp. coach, but the. But he's extremely well paid, and I'm not sure yeah. he leaves. Why would he leave unless it's for a head coaching job? Like, that's what he, I'm thinking. He, that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, he's very well compensated here, and he's yeah. already got the offensive coordinator title. So unless he has a burning desire to be the guy calling the plays, like well, I don't know why he would leave. I mean, I think he he's, he's very happy here. I, don't, I, I, would, I guess I'm, I'm referring not in the short term, but the next, uh, like the course of the four years that CMR has on contract. During that stage, if things continue to go well, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. Him and, and possibly, you know, you never know. I mean, I could see other uh, schools wanting to hire him away, but I mean, like I said, Miami's. I, I mean, he's got to be making six hundred, six hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, I, I mean, some, you know, maybe an Alabama could pay him a little more, but. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's at the point in his career where he's going to get a head coaching job. So I think he'll be here for a while. Okay, Gary, always a pleasure. Hopefully, we uh, we take care of business up in Chapel Hill and and uh, come out of there pretty healthy. So let's keep our fingers you, crossed. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Five six three nine 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 three six three three five six three nine 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 three six three three. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. And this next segment of Kane Sport Live is going to be brought to you by the startup.com, the company I've been telling you about all season, created by Kane's fans, where if you're not a Kane's fan, you shouldn't even think about applying for a job. And now they've created the world's first virtual incubator to help Kane's fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And the folks at the startup.com have created a workplace without walls and an internet based platform called the ecosystem where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build business plans, communicate and strategize with team members and even forecast and manage their cash flows. Basically anything you need to be able to do to run a successful small business or a startup, the startup.com, We'll help you work through that process, and uh, basically they'll, they'll, they'll give you the tools that you need to be successful. And the ecosystem was created 
to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. So visit the startup.com today for a free trial. It's one site at one price to rule them all. The startup.com. Thank you for being such great supporters of the Miami Hurricanes and cheering hard every single weekend. And thank you for being part of Kane Sport Live. All right, let's go back out to the phones and let's um, make our next destination the, um, let's see, let's go to the 916. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing, man? It's Roland. Hey, what's up, Roland? How you doing this week? Hey, not too bad, not too bad. I got a quick question. Do you think with this North Carolina game looming, do you think they'll uh, mix it up and try some screens? I, I mean, I think there's screens in the playbook. You know, whether know he'll call him, whether he's going to put him in the plan for this week, I have no idea. Yeah, I wonder because we haven't ran any screens and any guys in motion. Yeah, you know um, what? He I'm really hasn't run a lot of screens. You're right. And and I think traditionally that Mark Richter's loved the screen pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, now maybe you got I'm surprised. Maybe he doesn't feel the offensive line is athletic enough to execute it well. You know, I, I mean, you know, you. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know why he wouldn't use them. But you know, it has, it has been a, a play that he's enjoyed throughout his career. So you never know. You might see some this week. You know what I noticed about this old line? They're better uh, pass blocking old line than run blocking. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they're a fin- it's it's a finesse group. I talked about that in the early part of the show where we were discussing the issues that they've been having in short yardage situations. I mean, I just don't mm-hmm. see these guys as the kind of line that's just going to line up and plow people down the field. You know, yeah. that's not yeah. to me. That's yeah. not how they're built. You know. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, 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 Gray at running back? You think because uh, I know Homer's getting a lot of carries. You think they're going to throw uh, Gray in, uh, uh, pop, pop, you know, mix it up at uh, running back, get some other guys in? I do. I don't, I don't think uh, you, you know, I, I, don't, I think that I, I think the game plan last week didn't allow itself for him to play. Very, mm-hmm. you know, I think what did he? Did, I don't even know if he got a, did he get a carry. I can't even remember. But no, no um, he didn't get a carry. Nope. No, he didn't get a carry. Yeah, I mean they they, they were mm-hmm. using a lot of empty in the Syracuse game, and that was the game yeah. plan to deal with what Syracuse does on defense and. You know that's just not that's not Chalk's game, but um, I think that if they can get a lead here, that this would be a great opportunity to get him a a, a large number of reps. I, I think this would be a wonderful week to give Travis Homer uh, a light load, let let Chalk go out there and and and, yeah. and do his thing and and and, get, and earn the trust of the coaches and just get some playing time. Gotcha, gotcha. Did, did you get a chance to uh, ask Mark Rick about? Uh... Uh, time management uh, at the end of the game because they were they were uh, yeah. I mean they had twenty yeah, twenty five twenty six like, what was his what was his uh, yeah uh, you talking about the last drive why he didn't try to kill the clock yeah 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 we had like yeah we talked about that seconds. at the beginning of the show I'll give you a quick uh, synopsis I mean basically he felt like they were only up by one he didn't want to be conservative he didn't want to take the team out of its normal rhythm. He felt like they should just go run their offense and go score and put the game out of reach in that way and not worry so much about killing the clock. There were still five minutes plus left, I mean, when they got the ball. Um, So, you know, that's a lot of time in college football (laughs) to try to kill. And, you know, I I thought he makes a really good point because, you know, if you get too focused on clock management with that much time left, 
um, it really can impact the way you move the ball. So the drive started at 523, and they went nine plays, 85 yards, in two minutes and 35 seconds. And um, that's a typical Miami scoring drive. It really is. I'm, 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 pulling up the, uh, I'm pulling up the drive chart right now. If you, if you look at the drives that they scored points on, they went 13 plays, 74 yards for a field goal. That consumed 531. But they went eight plays, 84 yards for a touchdown, consumed 242. They went seven plays, 40 yards for a field goal, consumed 250. Um, three plays for 53 yards for a touchdown, consumed 48 seconds. And then that last drive, nine plays, 85 yards, uh, two minutes, 35 seconds. So, you know, this is a, a quick strike offense. This is an offense that likes to play with tempo and and go do its thing and when you're just nursing a one point lead where a field, even a field goal can beat you down the stretch, that's not, that's not a time to be conservative. And I think he made the right call. I really do. He, he wasn't worried about managing the clock with five minutes and 23 seconds left. He was worried about going, let's go score and get up by eight. Okay. All right. One last question. He put me, put me on hold uh, in regards to uh, Josh Job and uh, Campbell. Do you think those guys are going to stick? Do you think – I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Just put me on hold. Well, Campbell's not here yet. I mean, he, you know, he hasn't even he hasn't well, committed yet here, but I'm saying or anything. Is. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I would be a little nervous that he hasn't committed if he was going to come. Uh, I think with all those kids committed for so long, I, I think if it was a clear-cut decision for him, he would have made it already. Um, but they're battling. You know, they're battling like crazy for that kid. He's a big priority. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think they, you know, uh, that it's been going relatively well. He's come down the campus a few times, seems to get along well with some of the other kids. Uh, I think they're doing everything they can do to try to get him, and it's just a matter of where he wants to be. Okay. And what about Job? Job, same situation. You know, he's at that prep school in Connecticut. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Alabama thinks that they got a shot. I, I know, you know, obviously he's committed to Miami. And has seemed to, you know, he said all the right things and he acts the right way when he's around Miami. So, you know, we'll see when it comes time to put his uh, signature to paper. But um, right now it looks like he's going to Miami. Okay. I appreciate it, man. But Bama's not giving up, I'll tell you that. They're definitely not giving up. I know that. I know that. I know that. All right, Roland. Well, great great talking to you as always. Give us a call next week. Likewise. All right, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 419. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary? This is Maurice from Ohio. Hey, what's up, Maurice? Are you a new caller? Oh, no, I used to call maybe about a year or so back. I just haven't uh, been on as much lately. It seems that uh, you know, I've gotten a little busy and had a chance tonight to catch your podcast for a change. All right, well, welcome back. We're happy to have you. Likewise, you know, I really enjoy. I just had to say, I really enjoy hearing your perspective and your insight on uh, Canes football and all the other fans because I, I live in the, uh, right up in Ohio, so I don't get too much of that up here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this has really evolved into into a, a fun mm-hmm. thing on Tuesday nights. We get fans from all over the country. I think you can when you listen to the phone calls, you hear the knowledge of some of these guys, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, it, you know. We don't get very many uneducated phone calls. I mean, the guys that are calling in, they know what they're talking about and ask sure. very good questions, make very good comments. And I, I think it has evolved into a nice thing for everybody on Tuesday nights to just, you know, 
chill out, maybe grab a beer out of the refrigerator and uh, talk Canes football for a few hours. Exactly, exactly. Well, I was actually down for the Toledo game because I live in Toledo, Ohio, and I came down to watch that game. And, um, you know, I'm watching the team come along a little bit, and, and I, I feel really comfortable with the defense. And um, I like the point that you guys were making earlier about some kids getting on the field that normally wouldn't feel would play. But I think that that actually helps, you know, due to facts if you have injuries. Um, you know, these kids are going to have to play at that point, And I'd much rather have them, you know, with some battle test than none, you know. And, and it, it makes for – definitely during practice, makes for a better practice. Kids are more competitive. They're competing. They feel involved with the program. I mean, I see where, you know, there are some of the, the cons to that with, um, you know, your games are a little closer. But let's be honest, those are games that we were supposed to win. The last few games, these are the games we should have won, I mean, without question. And and I feel that that's actually a positive. I really enjoy the fact they're doing that. Um, I really think the defense has played really well. I, I think they're only going to get better. Um, but my biggest thing is with the offensive, the offensive thing, the same thing too. I, I think the offense, the, the problem is just, just execution really more than anything. I mean, you'll have key drops here, a penalty there, and it unfortunately just stalls and kills the drive. But what I really do like about this offense now is the fact that we're not turning the football over. And, and that's probably yes. the biggest benefit. We are holding on to the ball. I can at least say nothing kills a team worse than, t- than turnovers. No doubt. Yeah, would you agree? A big, yeah, it's a big part of Mark Rick's philosophy. It's a big part of the way they coach. Mm-hmm every single day, and uh, I think it shows up on Saturday. I mean, I hope we're not jinxing anybody by, by talking about it, but, uh, I mean, Miami, I wrote about I wrote this today in a, in a column on the mm-hmm. website. I mean, Miami running backs don't fumble the ball. No. And Rosario, he's, what, two, three picks all year? I mean, he's not making, you know, too bad of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, he, the kids actually had, played quite well. He's played phenomenally. Yeah. When you look at all he's the throws he's I mean, made and, and mm-hmm. the fact that he's only had a couple bad passes the whole season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, absolutely. His TD to interception ratio is outstanding. Um, and last week, I mean, heck, you know, guys hold on to the football. He might have had another 150 yards onto that total. I mean, he really put some balls on a dime. Yeah, they just got to figure phenomenal. out what, what the problem is on third down. That's what they have to figure out. <laughs> And we've had some, yeah, mistakes on third down, some key drops, uh, things of that nature that, you know, definitely cost us some points. And you're, you're 100% correct. Our third, our third down offense struggled right now a little is pretty, bit against pretty bad. The blitz. They've struggled picking up blitzes, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. last week against a team that loves the blitz so much, rather than put all the pressure on the offensive line and the running backs, that's why Mark Rick went empty. And he yeah. made, made Syracuse match up with five receivers mm-hmm. and – it it helped sure. everybody identify who was who was blitzing better. Exactly, and I totally agree with that. And I think this offense has nowhere That's to go. That's great coaching. Up. I really do. Yeah, you know, I I have no complaints with the coaching staff. I mean, Diaz is I mean, wonderful. That's, that's the assistants coaching. are great. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's great can't, coaching. You your team your team's been struggling with blitzes. You're playing a team that blitzes mm-hmm. almost every play, and they came up with Absolutely. a scheme. They came up with a scheme that negated it. I mean, I mean, that's just Absolutely. really good coaching. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree 100% more. I have nothing, you know, nothing bad. This coaching staff is, is wonderful. I mean, we've got depth coming in as far as recruits. I mean, Miami is, is definitely a hot program. We're on the rise. I mean, without, without question. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, I, I, watched, I watched quite a bit of everyone, actually. And um, the Notre Dame game, I, I think some people are under, you know, we were talking earlier, and I heard guys say, I'm not going to lie to you. I think Notre Dame is scary good. I think they're the they're team that good. nobody's talking about. And, I mean, I watched them play this year. 
And, I mean, they smashed Michigan State. I came home from the Toledo game, went and watched that. And then Michigan State's not Michigan State of old. I get that. But they're still quality program. And, I mean, they literally just ran them off the field. USC, same thing. Georgia, they probably should have won that game without question and kind of blew it late in the game, and Georgia ended up beating them by a point. I think pretty highly of that Georgia team. The Notre Dame team is scary good. I, I don't even know that when we come into that game, maybe we're a slight two-point favorite, and that's a maybe. I wouldn't be shocked to see Notre Dame a favorite in our house to be honest with you. And if we're playing in mm-hmm. South Bend, they're probably a full seven. I mean, I really think that team is that good. And that, I mean, obviously I respect Virginia Tech. You know, in North Carolina, I'm be honest, we should walk over to that team. I really believe that. But Tech, I respect. But Notre Dame, I'm not going to lie. It's just a scary team. And if somehow we're able to put together our A game and beat that team, which I, I think if we bring our A game, we could play with anyone left on our schedule without question. Um, but th- that team just – Well, we don't we know what the A game off. is yet because we haven't seen it yet. You know, we don't, but I, I kind of the, – the most complete game I saw, we played against Duke. I thought we beat them 31-6. I thought we played pretty complete that game as compared to the others. Um, but three weeks, you know, that's, that's enough time. We've got, what, three weeks to Notre Dame. Um, I 100% think if we clean up some of the, the mistakes on third down, the defense plays as is. The defense is forcing turnovers, making plays. Um, you know, if the offense can stay on the field a little longer, I think it will help. You know, converting third downs and moving the chains, that's definitely – you know, a key to keeping your defense fresh as well. Um, but, I mean, I'll tell you now, if we play the same way that we have played the last few weeks going into Notre Dame, they will, they'll run us out of the stadium without, without question. 14 mm-hmm. points or more. That team, I, think that, I think that highly of that team. I, I think more highly of Notre Dame right now than I do OSU. That's all I hear mm-hmm. about up here. I mean, they're just literally putting the putting – the, and their quarterback, it's not that he's this, this great pass pocket, but he's just, he just reminds me a lot of Tony Rice that was there years ago. The kid's got good footwork, he's got good leadership, and he just seems to make the right throws when they need to have them. But his feet are outstanding. Obviously, running man against a quarterback like that would be really tough to do just because it'd be scary to turn your back on the kid. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you've watched much of them. Have you watched much tape on Notre Dame at all? Or just I have not. Any either game? No, you I guys, have not. I've watched quite a bit. And I, I wouldn't want to turn my back and play man against that kid. I mean, not saying you can't, but I'm saying that for a full game, obviously you know, the coaches' staff going to come up with something a little different, I would think. But I do think right, that team so what, is that good. And that's, that's, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I was going to say, all right, so what else? We'll talk more about Notre Dame in a couple of weeks, but what else you got tonight? Well, I'm just really, actually, I'm really impressed with it to the way the team's played. I mean, we're 6-0. and I mean, you can't complain. I've heard some people say we've gotten lucky. I've heard that. That guy, I hear it all the time up here, actually. We've gotten lucky and this and that. Name a team in the last 20 years that hasn't. Even your best teams. Every team at one time or another to win a championship in college football has to get lucky. To win anything in college football, luck is part of it. I mean, you're going to have close games. You're going to have four, five, six of them every year. I, I, I say it every year, and it always comes true. It's like if even when you, if you look back to the years when Miami won national titles, even, um, and I have I have the book right in front of me, so I'll, I'm gonna I'll I'll give you a, a, a couple examples. Um, there's always been games, the the 2001 team, which might have been the best team mm-hmm. in college football history when won 26-24 at Virginia Tech in, in 2001 mm-hmm. almost almost lost you know in that in that undefeated season um, mm-hmm. you know you go back um, you know to, to Miami's other uh, national title teams um, you know if you look at um, you know 28 26-20 against Michigan State in 1989, mm-hmm. you know, was was right. a very 
very close game. Um, in in the '87, they played that South Carolina game, but South Carolina and only won twenty to sixteen. Um, that, was that, that was a close call. They had a twenty six twenty five game. Year. Do you remember um, the Michigan game that year? It wasn't that year, but they they you know they had a twenty six twenty five game at Florida State. So okay. you know even the national championship teams, which were the best teams in the country in those years, had close games. So you're going to have yeah. them, and you know the yeah. key is you got to find ways to win them. Right, absolutely, and that's how that's why I said we're winning them. That's the bottom line. The good teams find ways to win. The bad teams, you know, they lose. That's usually that's what separates the good from the bad. And sometimes it is only maybe a player too. You know, or, or that's yep. between the great, the elite teams and just the, the good teams. That is. I think the Michigan game I was thinking was the very next year. We went down to – we actually came up to Ann Arbor and played in Michigan, and we're getting wrecked the entire game and ended up scoring in the last the last quarter and ended up beating them. I mean, absolutely we're getting destroyed the entire game. And Walsh came back and got hot and was hitting Chudzinski all over the field. And that's – I mean, Chudzinski is a great tight end. A lot of people forget, you know, how, how good that kid really was. He, he kind of, like, started the tight end tradition there. Yeah, he did. He was the first had good tight ends. Even going, you know, oh, yeah. going, going, even going back to like the Glenn Dennis and Willie Smith days. I mean, they they've always You're had right. good tight ends. Absolutely, and they've just carried transcended through. But no, that's all I say. I'm really happy with the way the season's going. I'm really looking forward to the next few games. I think that's going to be telltale, and we'll see what happens. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Hi, you're welcome. All right, let's go to the eight one six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Who's this? This is Brent, man. How you doing this what, evening? What's up, Brent? What about what you the force, man? You're a new caller. Are you, a, are you a new caller? Of course. I've called you. Yeah, I don't ago, remember, you. I don't, I don't remember you ever calling into the show. Welcome. What you got for us? <clears throat> well, I've been listening. Holding on. I just want to, uh, man, first of all, I just want to say it's good to be a Canes fan just to see the support that these guys get on Facebook and this thing with the turnover chain. And it's just great to see how Miami always reinvents itself. And it's good to finally be winning, I'll tell you that much. That, that turnover chain is doing amazing things for the program. And um, I'll have an article on the website about it in the next few days. I'm, cool. in, the middle of working, I'm in the middle of working on it. We've been talking to some of the recruits and stuff. And um, the Adidas people, I mentioned this earlier in the show, have told the people at UM, they they have agencies to track social media for all their partners and to just to see who's hitting and who's hot and that kind of thing. And Miami yeah, like is getting more social media action on the turnover chain than any partner that Adidas has ever had. It's um it, It's really taking off around the country. People love it. People love posting about it on Twitter and, and, and pictures and videos and things like that. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really caught on. It's transcendent. And yeah. uh, the kids' reactions once they get the turnover and oh, the little great. celebrations that they can do on the side. Yeah, that's just wonderful. It's, just, it's so much fun to watch. You know, I, you, you go to the games, that, and I'm a, I have season tickets for the Miami Dolphins for my whole life. And uh, so I go to a lot of the Dolphin games. And, you know, you go to the Hurricane game on Saturday. You go to the Hurricane game on Saturday, and then you go to the Dolphin game on Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, it's like, oh, my God, what a difference. It's like uh, how the Dolphins outdraw the Hurricanes, I have no idea. Because going to Hurricane games (laughs) is so much more fun and so much more entertaining (laughs) 
and so much more interesting and exciting and uh, than the Dolphin games. It's, I mean, it, w- me and my, I, I go with my kids, and we, we were sitting there. I mean, we were bored out of our minds for three quarters on Sunday. I mean, it was ridiculous. Think, and now, and well, I was sitting there thinking about this fact, about how, oh, my God, we need a turnover chain or something. Like, you know, it, it was terminal. Right, like this, this, is a, this is a little off topic, but do you think that plays into the psyche of why those Kane teams from the past had the fortitude to play in those big games? Like, we would see throughout the season – you know, not many fans showed up except for, like, Florida State and maybe Notre Dame or Oklahoma, you know, back in those 80s and or a Penn State or Ohio State, something like that. But then when they get to the bowl games, I mean, they show out. They execute perfect, just like last year. With uh-huh. It was like watching a whole different team. Do you think that kind of plays into the psyche of, well, when we're out there and we're playing ACC games, nobody really shows up just for the hardcore fans? And then when they get the nationally televised game, this is like, well, we're going to show out. We're going to showcase our talent to the best of our ability. Instead of being Alabama that gets to do it week in and week out. Do you think that plays anything? Into I the, mean, you know, the maybe a little bit, but even, even when the stadium's not full, it's just the, the, the way the games are and the, it, the music and the atmosphere and the, the, the excitement of the kids and the, it's the culture of the fan base. And I mean, there's just so many elements that come together and uh, I mean, it's a special thing. It really is. And uh, you know, I, I think it's yeah, nice. I hope they that, never build up. I hope they build build on campus. There's no yeah. place to put it. There, <laughs> there's the not going to, there's nowhere to put it. They're not building an on-campus stadium. Yeah. They should just make the, the rock home. It's the renovations. It's, I think it they're fine. Like Mark standard. Rick's fine with the Rock. He he has no issues with. He, he you know he always compliments everything and and you know is it exactly what he had at Georgia? No, but in some ways it's probably better because of the atmosphere. That's I, I think it is because he always says he always says paradise. He always says this is paradise. Welcome to paradise. Another day in paradise. Well, that's their you know so that's I their think, marketing angle. You know, yeah, this is paradise. I think it is. But yeah, and I think in a sense it is like they've marketed it very good. Okay, so my question is this: <clears throat> Can Gray in uh, Dallas be sufficient enough second and third string running backs? In your opinion? Um, I think Gray can. You know, he just needs more opportunities. Uh, Dallas. I don't know if he'll get to the point where they really feel comfortable putting him out there. I think he was out there for a play or two the other day because they were lining. He was almost lining up as a wide receiver anyway. Uh, there's just so okay. much to learn as a running back. I think he would be more of a stopgap uh, type of guy. I don't know if they'll get to the point this season where they feel comfortable putting him out there in the heat of battle. All right. Uh, as far as tight end with Irving Jr. being – you know, suspended. Herndon, I think, if he's not as good as Najoku, he's definitely, you know, one and one A, because it seems like he can stay in and block a little better than Najoku could. Yeah, they're year. totally different. They're totally different. I don't, th- I, I don't think it's fair to even compare them. To be honest with you, I mean, Najoku is more of a receiver, playing playing tight end. Herndon's a, tight end a little body. bit more of a, of a true tight end. 
Okay. Uh, but what a game he had the other day. I was so happy. I, I, yeah, I, I, I hope his dad calls in tonight because I got to talk to him before the game, and he was there, and we, we chatted for a few minutes. And uh, just I can only imagine how excited he was sitting there watching his son play a game like that at Hard Rock Stadium. You know, they're from Georgia. Do you, um, you yeah. know, he comes down. Do you and, think, uh, do you think uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying I hope he calls in tonight because I, I would love to be able to hear, you know, his take on, on how it felt to sit in the stadium the other day and wa- watch his son play like that because that was a great game Chris True put out. Indeed. And, the, and the Georgia Tech game. <laughs> I mean, he kind of single-handedly with those screens put us in yep. position. Uh, as far as the coaching staff goes, well, before the coaching staff, linebackers, do you think, do you think they are – do you think the tag of being overrated is justified? I think they're just going through a, th- a learning process, kind of a sophomore slump, but I really – I <laughs> I have no complaints with a bend and don't break defense than with the D'Onofrio version where it seemed like we broke all the time. So, yeah, I don't think there's any sophomore slump. I mean, you saw Shaq, Shaq and Pinckney making plenty of plays the other day. There's no sophomore slump. Um, I think they just, for whatever reason, got off to a little bit of a slow start. I think, I think that those 21 days off affected a lot of guys. I really do. I, I think that going 21 days without a game, going nine full days without even a practice, um, I think took, That's took a little nobody's bit of the edge taking off into account guys. Either. Huh? Yeah, that's something nobody really speaks on and take into account that they did have that layoff for, you know, the disasters that took hey, place. Look what it did to the uh, Dolphins. It, it did the same thing to the Dolphins. You know, the in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they got off to a slow start. Also, um, in large part to everything they had to go through during that time. Uh, look at Florida State and Florida. I mean, those teams are having horrible seasons. I mean, I, I just, I just think that. When you go nine days without practicing, it takes a little bit of your edge off. And 21 days without a game, and I don't. That's why I, I I think you're seeing a pattern. All the teams that went through that, none of them have played their best ball. No, we definitely have not put four solid quarters together. And I think it's excellent that we haven't at this time. Uh, I got about two, three more questions for you. The secondary, the much maligned secondary. Uh, Michael Jackson has been a pleasant surprise. Not so much. I had to disagree with one of your callers saying that the zone that they play, it seems like they get beat more. I think he had an interception in the zone. And I also think Jaquan Johnson, when he played center field on that one interception, that was also the robber uh, coverage. I'm not sure. But uh, the the Citadel transfer, uh, Delaney, I believe, He's not really shown much as far as well. Don't say that because that. He, he didn't. Don't say that because he he didn't play very well the first couple games, but the next yeah, two he true. actually and played that, pretty good. Okay, and I just think the secondary they're not really they're just going through small growing pains. I think that's what you go through when you have an attacking style defense where you line up one on one and your zone coverage is basically you know, uh, in the flats, so to speak, and the safety is going to be over the top. And your opinion on that, do you think that they are – will be the Achilles heel of why we don't succeed? Or? I don't know, man. 
I would have said that a few weeks ago, but they're getting better and better every week. I mean, look at what we saw the other day. Look at the way Michael Jackson played the other day. Look, Malik Young's always been steady. Um, I thought that uh, Trajan Bandy looked spectacular the other day for a true freshman to be covering the way he's covering and show the toughness that he's showing. I I was very impressed with what I saw of him. Uh, Jaquan Johnson's been pretty okay. steady as a sa- as a safety, and the one that's really surprised me is Redwine. You know, I, I thought it was really a, a reach really? moving him from corner to safety, and and I thought he would have a lot of growing pains there. He's played pretty darn well, you know, and uh, teams aren't hitting deep passes or anything like that, and um, so I don't know. I don't know if they'll end up being an Achilles heel or not. Okay, uh, as far as coaching, I heard you mention this early in the show. And, man, I got to back you 100%. If you people who are Canes fans go back to us in our history and the coaching that we've had throughout our history, to have somebody like Rick at the helm right now, <laughs> you can, you know, give some constructive criticism for the small things, maybe like tall receivers and, or, you know, something like that. But time of possession, being an aggressive coach and attacking that style defense, this is something that we've been begging for for, what, 10 years? <laughs> so yep. I don't see where the complaining comes in with the onside kick. You know, I like that Sean Payton style, let's go for an onside kick right at the Super Bowl, you know, in uh, right after halftime. I mean, yeah. that's a gutsy call to make. And yeah, I, I mean, want that and it's not, just about, it's not just about going for it. It's about, like, the preparation was put in during the week for it. Like you notice you, you're watching film, you see the opening, you put the play into the game plan for the week, you practice it during the week, and then you have the guts to call it on Saturday. And yeah, I mean, you made a great point. Like look at all the play. years. Well, look at all the years everybody around here was complaining about a lack of aggression. And now you're going to complain because you got a coach that's aggressive. <laughs> exactly. uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be complaining about it. I, I like his aggressiveness. I, I like the way he's, he's going after these games and seizing them and not, you know, hoping to luck into it or have to deal with, you know, a, a team beating you with a last second field goal because you decided with five minutes left that you're going to kill the clock instead Thank of try you. to score. I mean, I think he made the right – he's making the right calls. I do too. All right, I mean, I got it's okay that people question it. That's way. part of being a sports fan, right? Questioning the coach. Is he making the right call? Was, yeah, you know, I mean, but, that's part of I being mean, a fan. The, but, the complaining you know, I mean, about the onside kick, though, I mean, the complaining about that, this is what we – this is what us as Kane fans, this is what we do. When we do a trick play, nine times out of ten, it works. When Florida State does one – Nine times out of ten, it fails. I mean, that's just been the history, just like with the missed field goals. There's a little luck involved. Yes, of course, Georgia Tech had us dead to rights. We made a miraculous clutch with Langham, and we're now still undefeated. But that's no reason to start him because of two catches that he's made in his career that he hasn't really shown anything. Not to say he's a bad player or not to say he don't contribute, but Amon Richard is a beast. <laughs> I mean, he's a killer. When he any time the ball touches his hand, it's lights out. And yep. you, it's like comparing apples and oranges. You know what I mean? It's like having Jerry Rice on one side and John Taylor on the other. Yeah, when Taylor gets his chances, he maximizes them. But you're going to Jerry Rice. He's the guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't like that part about the people calling and complaining. And the last, oh, your opinions, 
Don't apologize for your opinions, Gary, man. You got great opinions, dude. <laughs> I like that. You know, what did I, I apologize for? <laughs> well, you, I don't usually <laughs> apologize for opinions. Which one did I apologize for? Well, you'll say you'll make a statement, and then somebody will say, "Well, no, like I'll whatever." Well, here's what I'll do, be, and you'll say, if "Hey, well, that's just my opinion." Da, da, da. I mean, usually yeah. your opinion about Kane football is right on, man. You know, I can and feel change, like, hard in your voice. If if this, if things change, I'll change my opinion. Like you know. Michael Jackson's a perfect example. Like, I mean, a year ago this time, I would have said he'll never play for the Hurricanes because that's the way it looked. I mean, he was buried on the depth chart. He wasn't really doing anything to change that. Uh, but he he didn't get down, and sometimes kids develop late. And, and he's come out this year, and he's been coached by Coach Rump now for over a full year, and um, he's a whole different kid right now. I mean, th- that Michael Jackson – that we saw and on Saturday against Syracuse, I mean, there was zero resemblance something. to the old Michael Jackson. Okay, exactly. and and and, I think and, that's and what, when, uh, when a kid changes like that, that, you have to change your opinion. I think that's what happened with Kaya too. If he could have had three seasons under Mark Rick, who knows what kind of quarterback he could have been? So you can't really no compare him with Malik. You know, it's just a different. No. Scenario. It's different. Okay, here's the my last thing because I know you got a lot of fans on there. Yep. And I know you hate predicting the future. I know you really don't like talking about the future. But yeah, as the teams go so far, you got Alabama, you got Penn State, you got Georgia, and you got Clemson. Of course, yeah. I think that, you know, Virginia takes for all the marbles. If we lose that one, this is null and void. But we get to the it would be, we lose no Here's game. what I will say. For this team to have come this far and lose Virginia Tech and end up not winning the Coastal again would just be a travesty <laughs> to me. Like, could you imagine? It, it, you know, if you if you if you go uh, nine and two or something and don't win the Coastal and don't get to go to Charlotte again, I mean, that would just be horrible. I I, I mean, I I gotta believe that they've put a lot of time into Virginia Tech during the off season. And, and I hope they could come out with a really good game plan. And uh, Stacy Searles has the offensive line ready to handle Bud Foster's blitzes this time around. Cause I did not think they were very well prepared for that game last year. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's our complete game game right there. I think that's yep. the one that circled. I don't even think Notre Dame is as important this year. I think the coastal is their overall goal, but if we it's get there, be. And then we're able to take care of Clemson. Who is our best matchup in the oh, playoffs? And in the playoffs? Let's see who's in the playoffs first. I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah. Okay. See, there's that future. You hate predicting it. All right, Gary. All right, Brent. Thank, yeah, you, thank, thank you for calling in. Thanks for being part of the show. All right. I mentioned them earlier. I see them on the line, so I'm going to bring them on now. Big Daddy Kane. Mr. Herndon, and uh, man, 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 what a game <laughs> Chris Herndon had at Hard Rock Stadium on, on Saturday. Um, ten yes, catches, ten catches, 96 yards, and uh, Mr. Herndon, I can only imagine as a father what kind of joy was pumping through your veins watching Chris get off the way he did on Saturday. Tell us about it. Man, I'm telling you, Gary. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. Good talking to you over there, by the way, also on Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, man, it was, as a father, it was, it was great. It was, you know, 
worth the four years of waiting for your kid to finally have a game like that. You know, it was it was, it was awesome, dude. I mean, I I thought I was going to stroke out up there, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a great feeling, great feeling. So, and and the team, like I told you when we were talking, it's all about the wins for the team. But he can have that great game, but and the team won a game that again. Everybody was picking us to lose. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess that's part of the Canes tradition. So it, it was great showing there. Great. So how did he feel after the game? He must have been pretty psyched, huh? Uh, yeah, he was. He was. He was extra excited. Uh, came over. He always come over and we'll we'll watch a, uh, another game together. Came to the hotel and we hung out with a couple other players and just talked about you know, the game and everything. It was it's like watching or being in a room with a bunch of little kids. They were all excited, all amped and talking about this. It's like they remembered every play. Oh, I should have did this and I did this. I hope you I hope you ordered up a nice girls. big porterhouse or something from room service. <laughs> Man, they oh my God, Gary, these kids eating I mean, football <laughs> players from from the smallest cornerback lineman. I mean, they eat. I mean, good lord. But you know what I do? I go to Publix and I get those foot long chicken tender subs. Straighten them right out. So <laughs> save a little money that way. There you go. Yeah, people love those chicken tender subs. I don't. I've never had one, but yeah. like I, my my kids love them. They 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 eat them all the time. I, I can only eat a six inch. There's so much meat on that thing. It's just crazy. But this is real good. <laughs> But, yeah, man, oh, man, I'm going to tell you one thing they did mention was they love the crowd noise. I mean, you know, like I said, we're new in this, but that's one thing that those boys talked about, you know, especially on the third downs when everybody gets amped up. That's the stuff that they pay attention to. I mean, it's so, you know, you're on the sideline like me. It's so loud in there, and it really disrupts the offense. Oh, man, those boys love it. I mean, it, it energizes them. It gets them pumped up. I mean, so, you know, definitely the fan support is something that they all look at. And they notice, they sit back and notice how full the stadium is every game. Oh, they they sit back, and that's something that those kids really pay attention to. And now that we're winning like this, it's, it's something that's – and I like to thank all of the fans that are listening – that comes to the games. I mean, I, I'll say thank you for them, but it really pays a it plays a big part with these these players, and that's something that they really notice. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's special just the way the music gets incorporated and the way the crowd responds to it and the way the kids, uh, like you said, feed off it. It's a it's a special atmosphere, even though it's not a stadium with a hundred thousand people. Uh, you know, you, you've got forty five, fifty thousand in there usually, and and it's um, it's still very special. That's why you know oh, anybody that said Hard Rock Stadium can't be a home stadium, baloney on that. You know, you put a representative product in there that's an entertaining football team that captures the passion and imagination of the community. Uh, wait till you see what that place is like the next two games, but you know against Virginia Tech oh, and Notre man. Dame, and tell me that can't oh, be I a home stadium. Do. I definitely can't wait for that because that's that's part of what I was saying about they feed off of it. They were already talking about how packed it will be and how loud it will be, especially for the next one with the Virginia Tech and the Notre Dame game. 
Yep. So, I mean, it's, yep. it's something that plays on their minds, you know. So I, I can't listen, wait. I'll be at both of them. They may not win every game. I mean, they, they you know, those are good teams. Maybe one of them figures out a way to come in here and win, but it's going to be a tough out. You can bet the ranch on that. Like, you know, if you're going to come into that stadium and beat Miami, you're going to have to really, really, really have your game going now that the program's got its act together. And I, and I want to point out, too, that, you know, we hadn't seen a complete game where the offense and defense is clicking on the same time. Um, so I think we're in for a treat with it. Like you said, it's, I mean, I, I've coached football for 17, 18 years. It's hard to go undefeated. But as fans look at it, you know, as a fan, you got to say, we got a chance of doing this. So you don't look at being undefeated. What you want is to play a game, a complete game, and the cards fall where they may. Nobody, I don't, you know, you, you may lose a game, but you don't want to lose a game when you didn't put your all into it, whether you're a player or coach or whatever. If you play that complete game and you lose, it's a loss. But, you know, if you if you plan and everything is not clicking, then it's harder to swallow. Now, one thing I know from all these years of coaching, our defense has gotten better Every game, every game, and we've seen stuff from other teams that I think we're good for the rest of the year as far as these kids won't be shook when they run across another team. So in Georgia Tech, we saw a predominant run team. We had to do run sits. So they know they can do that. They're not going to see another team that run the ball like Georgia Tech does. They're not going to see a a more – athletic team like a Florida State. And look with Toledo, um, Duke, um, Syracuse, teams that run the spread offense, up-tempo, fast offense, we did very well with all three of those teams. So I think we're prepared on defense for everything. So if, And like you said, Michael Jackson, all these kids are waiting their turn and just sitting there waiting on their moment to step up for this team. And I they're mean, stepping up. Man, I'm, I'm, yes, and that's what you and want. It, and and you said, you alluded to earlier, they're stepping up because of coaching. And, and believe me, uh, one of your callers earlier was talking about, you know, um, to the effect of if they could do this. Or all these kids go to practice every day, just like we go to work every day. They go to practice every day. Now they're excited. They're waiting on their chance because the practices are more competitive. Mm-hmm. And, and now with this success, they're waiting on their chance to uh, make a play. All they got to do is make one play. So, I mean, you know, you alluded to it earlier. It's, a, it's infectious. You get this one play. You get on the field for this one play. Then you want to get another one. So, I mean, it, it's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, it really is. All right, you got anything else for us tonight? Now, I'll say this as – so with, with Young Herndon having the game he has, and I've heard callers before, we've heard every news article, read every news article, and, and fans are going to do what they do. you you got to stop comparing him, and you said something about this earlier. you got to stop comparing him to David Njoku. They oh, yeah, are two, two totally different players. Yeah. Different players. I mean, it's unfair because, of course, it upsets his mother as well as it does me. Every article that's been printed since spring ball has compared 
he's no David Njoku. He's no this. He's no that. And, I mean, it's not fair to those kids, but you know, David Njoku David is like a, was a receiver playing tight end. Chris is a is a pure tight end. Exactly, and he he stays on the field. He's playing four different positions. I mean, it, it's unbelievable, but it, it, it's kind of not fair to him because everybody, oh, he's no, no, he's not diving over people's heads or not flipping in the end zone. But what he does do, he drops his shoulder and runs people over. He get his first down. So in, in one instance. Oh, he's good, but he's no David Njoku. But in another instance, you got to think, he's doing what he has to do for his team. And, and as far as NFL-wise, you don't worry about what's going to happen in the NFL because you have to worry about what's going on here, you know, yeah. in college. But he's going to get his chance to get say, NFL tight end. Oh, he, he will get his and I'm not even Man, I'm not even worried about that, uh, Gary. I'm, I'm, it, it's just the props that he deserves because, I, like I told you last yeah. week, the one thing you can say about him, he's not flipping over people in the end zone. He's not running away from safeties and checking out like other people on the team. But the one thing you can say about him, you've never seen him drop a pass. You know, he hasn't you dropped many. all the tape and all this. You've, you've, you've hard, you can barely remember if he's – and I, of course, I'm a dad. I remember the ones he has dropped, but you haven't seen him drop a pass this year. No. So I mean, it's it's it's, it's different attributes that people have to realize. It goes into this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's one thing as a parent, not a coach or or this that. And that's one thing as a parent because he's not given the props that he deserves on that aspect. One of the best tight ends. The kid won a Super Bowl ring with the New York Giants. And it was our boss. He was the slowest tight end in probably in NFL history. But he won a Super Bowl ring, and he caught everything. So, I mean, you got you to gotta think about that kind of stuff. And that's yeah, – I, I hate to use the platform to get out there on there. They're not asking him to no, they not. They're not, they're, they not. It's a totally different deal. It's a di- different offense, different different schemes. You, oh, you know, yeah, Coach Rick, Coach Rick calls the game to Taylor to the personnel that he does have. He's not he's not asking Chris to go beat anybody fifty yards deep or, or anything like that. And, 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 um, the, and the sad part is for him is that he came out uh, he came up as a receiver, but he's just mm-hmm. such a great blocker because of his pop Warner ball he played. He's physical. He can block. The, the unfair part is that you know, when David was here, you had him to depend on to stay in and help the offensive line. So now David leaves and you just slide over. You have no other tight end that yeah. can help block and help that offensive line, which we're team players. I've talked to Coach Hartland and everything, which they're going to do their own game plan. But my whole thing is, no, you keep him in to help that offensive line. Right. But it's not fair because you had not seen his great route running because he has to stay in the block. That's why most games, they go to him a lot late because he's done such a good job for him blocking. And, and I respect that from Coach Hartley and Coach Rick. But, yeah, definitely keep him in the block and help that offensive line and get that running game going. And you but, you know, he, he, but yeah, he's still getting plenty of opportunities. I mean, you know, oh, I, I mean – he caught five balls against Georgia Tech. He caught what well, I think it was three against Florida State. Um, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, three man. Against, love it. I mean, he had nine 
<laughs> against Syracuse. Oh, I mean, yeah. where, when, do you, exactly. when do you see a tight end? You know, you don't see a lot of tight ends around the country putting up numbers like this. So, and, no, and, and, that's and even you have to look at how many times he's targeted. Yeah, and you have to look at how many times he's targeted and how many catches he makes. So I love that aspect. And he me, as, as, as a coach and all this other stuff, I love the blocking aspect of it. I, I, yeah. you know, you know, well, that's, that's part of me. What he's doing is he's showing the NFL scouts that he's a complete tight end, and that's going to help him uh, next spring. You watch. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not, you know, he's not going to be a, a first-round draft pick more than likely the way Njoku does because of his freakish athletic ability. But and tight ends just typically don't get drafted as, as high. But he he's going to get drafted, and he's going to have a great chance to make somebody's roster. Oh, bro, and that's fine as long as he comes out of my pocket, Gary. <laughs> he's expensive. All right, as long as he come out, he has a job. I'll be happy. <laughs> well, I think you will. But I, uh, all right, Mister Herndon. Oh, well, definitely. I'm going to see you at North Carolina, right? You'll be there. Yes, sir. Me and, me and his mom will be up there uh, early Friday. So if you get in early Friday, give me a call and we'll go grab a bite to eat. All right, you got it. And if not, I'll see you at the stadium Saturday. Definitely. Put me on hold, brother. I will, and thank you. Thank you so much for calling in and being part of the show. We love we love your call every week. All right, um, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. We're heading into hour number three of Kane Sport Live tonight. I think the first two have been pretty epic. A lot of great calls, a lot of great comments, a lot of great conversation. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. And now the two, the 850, you're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah. Oh man, I just knew I was gonna get ready to call. What's up, man? It's Omar. <laughs> Who's, hey, what's up, Omar? Welcome back to the show. Man, not much, not much, man. I, I apologize. I, I had to move Mr. Herndon ahead of you. You you were a shade ahead of him in the queue, but I know. Yeah. It's cool. We were we were cool. talking about Chris. I figured Herndon, the ti- I figured the timing was perfect. Yeah, man, Mr. Herndon, he was yeah, he I definitely that guy he I'm happy he came to Miami because he definitely doing it. If we didn't have him, just think about where would we be right now. Like we would be terrible right now if we didn't have him. So we yep. definitely needed him. And and but, the good um, thing is he's leaving and they got two great ones coming in next year, boy. Be these two kids. Yeah. You wait till you, you wait till you see these man. two kids they got coming in to play tight end for the next three, four years. I've been seeing them. <laughs> I've been seeing them, man. Them boys like, you know, they, they kinda like the joke you a little bit. They more like wide receiver type. Yeah, well, they're like, yeah, they're like, I mean, I don't know if I'm not going to say that. They're not, they're not to that as, I'm saying as more, they're more like the wide receiver, tight end, you know, mode. I mean, I feel like Herndon's more of that official tight end type type body size, but them boys kind of got a little bit more, you know, athleticism, a little bit more speed to their game, so. You know, we look at a lot of recruits. These two jump right yeah. out at you. I mean, and uh, what a great recruiting job. And, and, you know, I think they're both solid and uh, they're going to they're going to be able to build the offense around these guys for years in in the years to come here. Um, obviously, you'll yeah. have Amon Richards probably for one more year. and You're going to still be pretty good at wide receiver as well. But uh, it's going to be exciting with these guys yeah. you watch. So what's yeah, up, man? What do you what, what do you have I'm for looking- us tonight? One thing I want to say, I, I think they make your uh, top Harley job too easy, man, with all the talent. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a darn good thing he's got, got special teams to worry about, too. Otherwise, he'd be stealing money from the, from the program. But um, You know so what? Man, so um, tell us. I, I kind of feel that way, too. 
I do kind of feel that way. I'm like, man, he, you know, I, I I think out of all the coaches, he's kind of like the one, you know, the weakest one, I would say, as in No, he's a good and, dude, man. And he, Todd Hartley's a good dude. I, he's a, he's a good yeah, dude. Yeah, I think Todd he's young, too. He's young. He's dude. I think his spirit, I think his, I like his, 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 his motivation he brings. He brings that upbeatness to So he brings something to the table, but when I see it as, you know, development and stuff like that, I don't know too much. It's kind of like, you know, he kind of well, a little bit learning beef? a lot. I mean, what, what do you, I mean, I know he's had Najoku and Herndon, but where's the beef? Like, you know, even Michael Irvin Jr. was making a few contributions this year. So, um, yeah. but hey, tell us something. You live up there in Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got to be pretty miserable up there. I saw Jimbo oh, was getting Jimbo's getting into fights with the fans and, yeah, and, and telling, crazy, telling them man. telling them, he's challenging them to come down to the field and have fist fights and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I mean, man, it's like it, the they come they come on, unglued they fast come up there. <laughs> when they came, come on, I make sure I go to my family member's house and I go get my popcorn. I sit right there and just watch and I laugh and I watch and I laugh. Because there's nothing but, like, man, what's going on? They looking crazy now. They're giving those guys the Mark D'Onofrio treatment up there. Yeah, yeah, already. And and in Gainesville, too. It's it's been worse in Gainesville. In Gainesville, they're getting death threats. Like, seriously? Dang. Over college football? You're going to kill somebody? Like, seriously? It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. They don't. They don't. Want, it's like they don't. They're not used to losing like that. So that's what's going on. They we've been going through this seven years. I'm like, man, y'all just getting the first taste of what we been going through. We've been in bondage as Miami football uh, fans, and now y'all just getting a, a little whiff of that, and then y'all saying, uh, uh-uh, y'all don't know what to say now. I mean, y'all growing. It's growing pains, and they don't expect that to happen, but it happens. But let's get on to Miami, man. I just want to say, man, I'm so I'm I'm happy to be a Miami Hurricane fan, man. I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing with everybody from you know play calling. I feel like you know offensively, like you said, I think I heard them talking about the screenplay. I think that kind of that's something that they was he was doing last year though. That it seemed like he got away from it, Mark Rich. He was doing that a lot more last year, screenplays. But it seems like I don't know if he just don't trust the offensive line like that or what. But I want to see. You know what, Omar? That. I don't I know, but don't be surprised if you come out and he throws four or five of them one week. Like you know, he he's yeah. doing a really. I think he's holding Mark's them back. Really Maybe good job. Back. Yeah, he he doing a good job of holding enough back for the bigger games, and I feel like and giving enough so we win these games. So it's it's kind of like that thing of you don't want to show you too many cards because then they know what you know, know what your hot play is. They know what you can work with. You got you got to always have something in your in your in your collection to show the new team, the next team you face. So it's something that a wrinkle that they ain't seen before, and he's been doing a good job of that. Um, I want to give us. Let's talk about defense. I want to say John um, Johnson, man, I don't think he's getting enough credit, man. That man is leading us in tackles right now. He's You say what you want, but that man has been a sure tackler so far. And he's leading, like, he's leading linebackers and safeties in tackles. Like, you got to, I mean, leading the defense, period, in tackles. And I, I think he don't get enough credit. And I feel like I, I – I'm seeing where we at now, and with the with how much we defended on last week with the pass, I was scared. I ain't gonna lie. Before that game, I was 
Like, man, I don't know what's about to happen because it's like that was our weakness, our passing. These men locked up man-to-man and, and did a great job. 14, what it was, 14 out of 44 passes, something like that, or some. it was yeah. something like that, uh, completed. Like, man, that's excellent for a whole quarter. This man, 14 passes. That's man, that's excellent, man. You can't ask for no better. And I mean the thirteen. Way Michael, thirteen of forty one. Thirteen of forty one, man. No one should be saying anything about the defense or nothing. Like them boys are showing up and they, they played a, a offense that's predicated on nothing but passing five wide receivers and try to scratch you out and a quarterback that's tough as nails, I mean that boy's tough as people. How I was looking at him, he was like doing his thing. That boy had size, and he he was doing, and but we were still disruptive with him. So I, I big up on the defense for showing up because if they didn't show up that game, we would have lost. We would have lost if the defense would have lacked up, and would and and that secondary wouldn't have been there. You know, we definitely would have lost that game. And um, something that I say, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on. It's our running back. Like, man, I, he he gotta he gotta he gotta rotate. You can't keep that man in there that long because we 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 short. So if he get hurt, what we gonna do? Like, we gonna be. Yeah, a but you know what? They've been managing home. They've been managing him really well. I mean, he's gotten uh, twenty carries the last two games, but you haven't felt. <laughs> Like he was being overused or, or being overly beaten up. I think they're doing a great job. I think they're I think they're keeping an eye on it. I think Thomas Brown is very aware as the game goes on how many carries they're giving him. You know, making sure that they don't overload him physically. But he's handling the twenty a game so far, which is you know more than yeah. than you know. I, I know I did. I I thought maybe fifteen would be about the right number 15. for him. But, Honestly, I'll I give fifteen because. Yeah. Yeah, like because there's a difference between like, 15 and 20, but he's he's handling yeah, it, it so far. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was watching the videos that they posted on YouTube today, and one thing that you know I seen um coach um running back coach talk about is our execution on goal line. Like we got to tackle that. That's something that we've been that's been a problem in third downs. Third downs has been a problem since Al Golden era. Like, yeah, it it's been an issue, and nobody's like, you know, we're addressing it, but it's like, man, this is something that's really a problem with us. Like, well, it's a tough down, Omar. It's a tough down because that's is. when you get that's when you get the best scheming from the opponents is on third down. And if you're if you're more than like third and six, your percentages yeah. of converting that become yeah. much lesser. And, and, and that's why you see coaches so many times if they throw the ball on first down and it's incomplete, you'll see them run the ball on second down because they're just trying to get three, four yards to try to get under that third and six. Because if you're third and ten, it, it, it becomes really tough to convert. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It was a huge problem back when James Coley was the offensive coordinator during the Al Golden era. And, and now it's a problem here as well. And uh, I, I think a lot of it is, is – because Miami has not had great offensive lines through, through these past yeah. many years. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and, we're, and still, we're still dealing with our golden era of, of linemen. We, we I mean, these guys are playing very guys. well now. I mean, they're, they're yeah, way they better are. than last they year. Are. But, 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 they're not, but it's they're not where, where we can get right it's now. It's not where you hope it's going to be in a few years. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think it is. And um, another thing, uh, I, I want to see more options. I, I, I 
what I mean by option plays, I want to see somebody coming in and the slot man coming coming in motion and the that be one of the options that the quarterback can hand it off to. You got to give them. I think it's got to be more of like give them a little misdirection, a little something else to look at than just hike the ball and here it goes. I think it's got to be that. If we do that more, like just have somebody come in in motion and fake it to him and give it to the running back or something like that, you will see more defenses take alert and pause before they just come in. It's like our plays are a little bit too simple sometimes when it comes down to some of those plays. And I think what we're doing on second down has a lot to do with it. Um, like you, like you say, your third down plays. I think you, you got to, we got to get more, try to get more five and four yard plays and stop. You know, I think we go for big, big games too early in the down. Like first down, we might go for a big, big game. Then third, second down, you're trying to get, you know, two, uh, three to five yards, and then we only get, you know, four, and then it, it's kind of putting us in that position where it's more harder, but. I just want to see more option in in the with with just motion because we got fast guys, we got fast wide receivers. You got to give them boys the option to just get the ball, kind of like what Florida used to run back in the day when um, I think um, Urban Myers was there. He used to have Rainy like the runner. He have Rainy in motion, coming in motion, and you got to respect that man's speed. So when he goes in motion and the quarterback hike the ball and act like he he's gonna get it. The defense is like, oh, we gotta, you know, we gotta protect that outside. So the, that we that weakens the middle up for that, you know, because they gotta protect there. It's like more to, to, you know, you gotta look at. I think that's something we I would like to see Rich do more. But um, that's about all I have, man. I ain't gonna hold you up. We're gonna keep it going and um, love the show, man. And you know, I'll call in next week. All right, Omar, do this, do so. Good talking to you, as always. Let's go to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on, man? What's tough, up, Ross? What you got, to, man? What's going on? Tough one to follow, man. I got to follow these guys and, um, you know, Mr. Herman saying that we need to calm down with the play call and not going to quit his Well, he's, he's right. No, that's not the play call. He was talking about people trying to compare Chris Herndon to David Njoku, and they're two oh, yeah, totally, yeah, di- that, two totally different that's players, two totally different athletic skill sets. You know, I mean, how do you take – you've you got a kid, Njoku, who's a, a, a receiver playing tight end, who's one of the most freakish athletes that you'll ever see in your life. And you're trying to compare a, a pure tight end like Christo? It, it's it's silliness. And he's who, at, who's, who's he's, doing he's that? Who's doing that, right. by the way? Is that, who's doing that, there's by the way? Is that me doing it? Doing it? He, 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 no, not me, but there's there's people that have been doing it here and there. I've seen it, too, and I've thought it was ridiculous. They're I mean, just it's trying not, to have something to say. It's not that big of a deal, they're, but it's, it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, they're trying to have something to say. They don't have anything to write or whatever. They just want to make a comment. Um. Super happy with the victory. Um, just wanted to make sure, I'm, you know, some things that we got to clean up, Gary. Um, man, um, still a lot about, of upside. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, a lot of upside. But oh, man, I hate to go into it about a play call, but it's think about this. Uh, do you remember the play where Herman got hurt? I think he caught the ball, maybe missed the ball, whatever it was. 
caught the ball, came up limping. I'm hoping that he's getting off the field. He didn't get off the field. We ran another play, and then on the second play, we threw him the ball. Who's watching the game? Don't we have guys up top that's going to say, okay, hey, let's not go to him here. He's hurt because he was literally hurt. He didn't get a chance to hop off and get off the play because we were trying to do our area, which sometimes I think is unnecessary for us to go He wouldn't let him take him out anyway. Say it again? He wouldn't have let them take him out. <laughs> yeah, but that's not – see, that's – see, Gary, see, don't – that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what they had to let him do. You know, if you think about it, if you want to make that comment, go back to the running back situation where if we'd have coached him like he was supposed to as far as taking him out and resting him up, he probably wouldn't have got hurt. But I don't, I'm not criticizing. I'm going to go there. But don't say they wouldn't have, he wouldn't have allowed him to take him out. It's just something that they should they – should, they should, can't throw him the ball if he's hurt. And and and, right. I, and I just didn't like that, you know. No, no, a couple other things. Um, you know, the quarterback reminds me. The Syracuse quarterback reminds. Remember that? Remember that game we had against K State, when we just kept beating up the quarterback, and he just kept yeah, coming I back. Yeah, I forget his name, but yeah, I do remember. Yeah, he just kept coming back, and I was getting scared that this guy was going through the same thing. I mean, I'm looking at TV, and I'm watching his arm is bleeding, his elbows is bleeding, he's being beat up, he's dizzy, he can't get up, he's dragging his body all over the field, he's get, he's coming back again. And I was getting very concerned it was going to be the K-State situation. I was like, oh, my God, we got to win this game. So um, this, this, it kind of just reminded me of that. Um, a couple other things. Um, veterans. We talk about um, veteran play and, and being alert and being knowing what's, what to do on the field. In crunch time, um, kick return. We had two guys back there. Critical part of the game, Gary, where Thomas ran the ball out the end zone on the kick return. He shouldn't have done it. Yeah, now, D- that was it, it, Mark Rick talked about that actually. DJ Dallas. Yeah, but that was the time. Yeah, didn't but do a good enough job. Dallas, Dallas shouldn't have been the guy because that means you're dealing with. Two, it should have been Barry no, over Dallas, there. Instead. No, Dallas is the guy. He's usually fine. He just what he, I'm saying he, is, though, Gary, he, he just didn't do a good enough job, and I guarantee you, you won't see it again because they corrected it in practice. Yeah. But he just yeah, didn't do a good enough have, job telling him. It doesn't have it to be Barry. Well, somebody like they got that, that know what's going on. Critical time of the game. He's to a freshman. He made a mistake. Thing. He's a freshman. He made a mistake. He he didn't do a good enough job keeping him in the end zone. They worked on it in practice. I, I'm pretty sure you won't see it again. Yeah, I mean, but just just wanted to make the point that yeah, great point. Oh well, I hope yeah, I just hope, I hope we don't see it again because I was just concerned that again. I think we just should have had a veteran guy back there. Don't need to run that out. What are we doing? Um, well, they're, also, they're giving DJ I, Dallas something to do. They they made the decision fair, to yeah. play him this year, so they're giving them something I to do. I agree, and I think he's going to have to be a, the guy. He's still a freshman. He's going to make mistakes, but I, they, I, but I know they corrected this one. I'll be shocked. I agree. If again. I was just, I was just saying, oh my God, what is he doing? And and yeah, Rick did did address it, and um, we'll clean that up. Um, so you know, hopefully he's the guy along with Thomas that's doing punt return next year also, because I think he has short hands. I think he'll be okay. Um, a couple other things, yeah. Uh, as far as um, if you look at it. This is why coaches like to have their ball players practice during the week before they let them play. Because that was just the issue with Omar Richard. I mean, I don't have a concern about him. He didn't practice. He hasn't been practicing, so he hasn't been sharp. 
And, that's and he's basically anxious. And, and he's frustrated. He's been frustrated sitting, and he and he wanted to make something big happen. And I mean, if he had just caught those balls, he would have had 200 yards receiving. That's how good he is. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you talk about freaks. I mean, he's a freak. He's he's elite. Yeah, yeah. I'm listen. Everybody's getting on here, and they're talking about winning this game and winning that game. I'm very concerned. I don't think we're going to lose the game, but I'm very concerned about Saturday's homecoming for them. Um, it's going to be the first two, the first quarter is going to be very, very important to us. It, it could end up being a little more difficult than people think. I mean, I'd be shocked if they didn't win up there. I mean, you, but you still, you have to respect it. You're going on the road. You know, you're playing a desperate team. Like you said, you know, the, they've been through tough times. Miami should be better than them and significantly and better, it, but. It doesn't and it, mean and it's, it's going to be a blowout. And it's Miami. And so that gets everybody attention. It's the homecoming, yeah, and it's Miami. So that's going to get everybody the, attention. The good thing, Ross, is that the players aren't looking past this game because they've lost to this team the last two years. So. Yes. Yes. They're, yes. They're, this is not. Oh. You don't have to worry about them overlooking North Carolina. They've had North Carolina circled on their calendar. Uh, North Carolina's a team that they feel like they owe one to. You know, North Carolina's. Exactly, because that nonsense Beating them the last two years. North Carolina was showboating about it two years ago up there. You know, the, the, these guys, they, they haven't forgotten. They, they, they you know, so okay. I, I think that, that's a good thing. Okay, great. Well, here's the thing. Um, my opinion, as much as I hate Notre Dame, if they lose twice on the same day, you know, everything is right with the world. But mh. I really want to beat the Virginia Tech team. Well, Let's That's worry about that. We next. We'll come. worry about that one next I'm just week. Saying, I'm just saying. But I'm, I'm just bringing it up because everybody else is doing. And I'm saying, yeah. okay, if I lose to Notre Dame, okay, let's get into the championship game, the game that we've been avoiding us for years. Yeah, but you get gonna, it, I, if you beat Virginia Tech and you're undefeated going into Notre Dame, you're, you're not going to be saying that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I, I, you, no but you you're going to be wanting to beat Notre Dame. So <laughs> one game at a time, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just want – that's why I'm going to concentrate on this weekend, but I want the Virginia Tech game because that guarantees us it kind of like put us in, in the driver's seat for the, for the chip, and that's what we need. We need that. We need that for our program. Um, uh, another hey, criticism, and I know I'm a criticism type of guy, but the feel is terrible, Gary. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was getting ready to get into that right after your call. Uh, I I need to get into some of these topics that were submitted on the message boards, and one of them was the field at Hard Rock and what's uh, what the heck's going on with that and how bad it's been and all that. And I mean, they're clearly having a lot of problems with the field. I I mean, just speculating, but. There's been a lot of rain in South Florida the last few months, and I'm not sure how that new roof is impacting sun exposure to the field. Yeah, right. And, and maybe, maybe it's not root, taking root the way it needs to. I, I mean, I'm not an agronomist or anything. but I don't uh, think that's the issue. I, just I don't know, we, there's, but there's an issue, Ross. There's no reason that field should be as bad as it is and this week. Exactly, now, but and, th- it's but, pro, but, and it's a pro. It's a pro and stadium, it's a pro which you can just stadium. imagine. So. Yeah, so this week they made a decision. The, the old field was so bad, they made a decision to put in a new field this week. They brought in all the sod for the entire field on rolls from the sod farm, and they laid the field during the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and it just wasn't ready this weekend. Well, but they, you know what I'll they, But they had to play those you games, know, and, and, and those, those, that field was a hazard this weekend. You know what I suggest? And I don't think it has nothing to do with the rain. It has nothing to do with the stadium. I think the stadium is beautiful. I think everything is great. They're using the wrong type 
feel. What they should concentrate is being a filter. Um, I know a lot of people well, no, kind of scared of that. Grass. That's why they didn't yeah, put it down. They want, they want natural grass it. down here. That's killing us, though, Gary. Because well, they got to figure out what lot. the problem is. I mean, very quickly because you can't have a field like that. Like, so everybody else some, is using somebody's got to figure out what the problem is and, and see if there's a way they can correct it. I don't care if they got to well, buy heat lamps for the whole field, but they got to well, they got to get those roots in in a little deeper and 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 make it safe for the players. Well, if we're exactly if we're trying to recruit the guys that we're trying to recruit the speedsters to come in here and be and show speed. You got to have a field that's going to help them show their speed, and guys are slipping, sliding. We have to worry about our kicker slipping on a kick, um, kickoffs and, and field goal attempts. Yeah, it's it bad. Be. It just shouldn't be. And I'm and I'm I very mean, maybe it would have been okay if it hadn't rained, but Gary, it should it shouldn't be that. Everybody oh, it's else bad. has rain. Bad as could be. Now, hopefully, they don't play for two weeks on that field. So hopefully, they'll get it straight. All right, Ross, what else you got? It what else really, you got? Really got uh, we got really a lot we got to cover it. still just, here know. in the last half hour. Yeah, you got no, anything I'm, else? No, no, that's it. I just wanted to um, All right, man. cover some of those points. We'll we're going to be okay next, next weekend. We'll yeah, talk to you we got to concentrate on winning games. That's it. You got it, man. Thanks for being part Get of the show as always. You got it. Um, all right, let me uh, cover real quick a couple more of these questions that came in on the message boards just so we don't end up ignoring them here. Um, what freshmen are being redshirted right now? It looks like Nikozi Perry, uh, Kyleon Herbert, Zelante Hillary, Evidence Njoku, uh, Zach Dykstra, Brian Palendi, Cade Weldon, John Ford, Wayman Steed, and Robert Burns are looking like the freshmen uh, that'll be redshirted this year. So um, it's a fair, decent number. I, I, you know, you know, you guys who have listened to the show through the years know how I feel about redshirting. I like it. So um, it's it's good to see some of those guys that wouldn't have been contributing a lot this year. Uh, looks like they're going to get their redshirt year unless there's a rash of injuries here down the stretch. Um, in the curious case of Arthur Sikowski, there's a lot of uh, a p- different opinions on him, and the consensus seems to be that he has all the tools to be successful, but is still raw. And Mike Farrell from Rivals this week said he's overranked. What's the What's the real deal with Sikowski? And um, here's my honest opinion. I've watched him live on multiple occasions. Before everybody else started weighing in with opinions on him, I felt like he was going to be a little bit of a project. I, um, I know people were looking for him to come in and compete right away uh, with Nikozi Perry. I, I am not one of those people. I, I think he's got a lot of skills. Um, but I don't think he's going to walk in and beat out Nikozi. I think he's going to take a few years of development. Um, and then in the second half of his college career, to me, is when he might factor in for, for, for playing time at Miami. But we'll see. I mean, things can change. Maybe a year from now when he comes into, you know, when he's in the program, uh, maybe he's, he, he's a guy that's much further along. I know he works hard. He goes to camps. Um he went to IMG because he wants to be a great quarterback. Uh, so we'll see how he develops. But I do think his commitment's solid, and I think Mark Rick's excited to work with him. Uh, next question was about Michael Pinckney emerging as one of the most exciting players on defense. Is he pro material or is he too small? Um, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, does he have a prototypical NFL linebacker body? Uh, no, I don't think he does. But uh, like like the uh, poster said, he, he makes plays once the game starts. He makes them over and over again. 
uh, he's in the right position to do that uh, as, as a weak side linebacker. And um, I think it's likely that when the time comes that somebody will give him a look in a camp and we'll see how he does. Um, I don't think he'll be a high draft pick, but you know, I do think there's a decent chance that he'll get a, a look in a camp. And uh, as part of that question, how's Jamie Gordoner doing? Um, <laughs> really, he's doing what it seems like he's been doing since he arrived on campus, and that's uh, spending a lot of time rehabbing injuries. And you really feel he's a nice kid. Um, his dad's a big canesport.com guy who I'm sure listens to our show here on Canesport Live. So shout out to Mr. Gordoner if you're listening tonight. But, uh, you know, Jamie's walking around pretty good. Uh you know, I, I'm sure he's trying to get back for spring practice, and um, I have not heard a definitive timeline on him, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. But uh, it's always sad when you see these kids that get you know just have the bad luck of of injuries. And uh, Jamie Gordner's certainly been one of them. But uh, hopefully, he's getting a good education, Mr. Gordner, and that's uh, more important than anything. Um, the emergence of Hayden Mahoney's looked really good at right guard the last few weeks. Will he get reps after Navon Donaldson returns? And uh, I think that remains to be seen also. I mean, back when Navon was healthy, he was pretty much going the whole game. Um, But uh, Mahoney's done well, and he's definitely earned a lot of trust from Stacey Searles the last two weeks. In fact, we were talking to Stacey about that today. Actually, you can see that interview on the website. But uh, he's definitely not a threat to Donaldson's starting job, but – we don't know that Donaldson's going to be ready to go an entire game yet either. So uh, I think that Mahoney has definitely earned the trust of the coaches. That would be a great way to, to describe that one. Right, we've got a few more. I'll get to it in a moment, but I want to get to a few more phone calls here. 563-999-3633 is the number. Let's go to the 256. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what's happening, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? Oh, this is Juan from Alabama, man. What's up, Juan? Talk to us. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that... Alabama hasn't gone the way of um, Tallahassee. You know, we were, we were just talking to Omar from Tallahassee a little bit ago, and uh, things are pretty gloom and doom up there. But uh, I guess in Alabama, they're still feeling pretty good. I mean, but... I mean, since you said that, Gary, you know, this was, you know, I got a lot of notes wrote down, but uh, since you said that, I mean, what ha- who have they really played, to be honest with you? You know what I mean? Yeah. No. They haven't, they haven't played really anybody. Been challenged yet. They have not been challenged. You know? And I was just going to bring that up later on in the show as I closed out. But uh, I'll All go right, ahead well, and start from uh, Now you got to go in reverse. Go ahead. You got the floor. <laughs> go, go through your list. So I'll go ahead and uh, start from my last note right here. Uh, I mean, a couple of people have, I, I believe, have said it tonight. I'm not really too sure I've been doing multitasking tonight. But uh, we have yet to play a complete game to where, you know, it's just like completely mistake-free where we would actually see, you know, sheriffs get in and throw a few passes, you know, just a lot of backups, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what I mean by a complete game, in my opinion. Uh You know, we, we've been having a whole lot of nail by this, Gary. I mean, I've been at work these last three weeks on these Saturdays for these 3.30 kickoffs, and I've just been right in front of the television just glued to it, and I'm just like, man, my heart's racing so fast right now. Come on, let's pull it out. Let's pull it out because I definitely don't want to hear none of these roll tiders, you know, talking trash to us. You know what I'm saying? It's time for us to elevate 
and get down from that bottom shelf, if you feel what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, uh, good to see Dean get some PT. You know, we need to see a lot of backups get a lot of PT so we can see all our backups and stuff, you know, what they got, what they have to offer and go ahead and progress. So hopefully when we move on into these bigger games and everything, when we see these people in there, we're not like, oh, my goodness, kind of like how we are with Robert Knowles to a certain extent. Because, I mean, uh-huh. he did make some horrible plays, but at the same time, when he does hit people, he hits people. I mean, I don't know if people have seen him on certain kickoffs and just making certain specific tackles, but, hey, I mean, he can hit. He makes a lot of mistakes. But yeah, at he's the a same big time, you know what that that he is. You know, we just gotta we just gotta have these everybody improve. And you know, Manny Diaz said that we're what I think you said early in the show, six DBs from being away from, you know, any other program or a championship type of program. But I mean the guys we got, you know, even the ones that was here during the golden era that's here now, you know, you've seen them progress quite a bit. So I mean you gotta you know, give your hats off to the coaches and the kids as well for actually, you know, being willing to be coached up and progressing along, whether it's by a small margin or just at all. Uh, Another note, uh, ESPN is still hating on us, Gary. You know, they always, oh, contenders, pretenders. Oh, I'm not sold on Miami, all this. I mean, Syracuse beat Clemson, okay. But, I mean, even if we would have lost any of those games, they'd have been like, well, we knew they wasn't this and that. But, you know, the fact that we keep winning, you know, they can't say too much. So they just got to keep their mouth shut. And There'll really be an opportunity that. in the next few weeks to earn everybody's respect. And there's no point in being sensitive. There's no point in letting it bother you. The Canes are either going to win against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame or they're not going to win. If they win, there won't be anybody disrespecting them anymore. Yeah, and I mean, what I, what I mean by that, Gary, is, I mean, all oh, well, Canes, like I just seen on ESPN earlier, on the uh, ESPN app when you click on Miami, it's like, oh, Canes pull out a close one. Okay, yeah, it was somewhat close, but I mean, now they're trying to downplay Syracuse, oh, or, you know, it, it's just repetitive to me, and it, it just really, you know, pisses me off. But uh, another topic, the punter has got to stop shanking them, man. He's been shaking quite a few. We can't have he's, that. He's, he's a kid. He's, 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 he's a freshman. He's not a polished punter yet. I mean, I think for a freshman, okay, he's done pretty I, well. I understand that. He's had, he's had I, I think, three that, bad Gary, kicks. That's his season. only job. That's his I only understand. job, though, Gary. He's had three bad so kicks. I mean, it's going to happen. He's do a better. freshman punter. And, he, you know, he's, he, his, everything's not perfect. You know, sometimes he misdrops the ball or different things. But for the most part, I think he's been pretty good and pretty reliable. Yeah, and I, and I completely yes, agree. I'm just five on, the, on those. Against Virginia Tech. I'll agree with you on that. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Okay, another yeah. topic. Third downs. I believe you touched on that. You definitely got to do better on that. Every time we get to a third down, I'm just like, man, come on. Let's go, Malik. Smart play, Malik. And, you know, it's not saying it's on Malik. I mean, we've had drop passes and just some crazy calls at times. Uh, return. It's, it's, I, I would say third like, downs is the biggest problem the team has right now. On punt return, uh, do you not feel like you know if we do if we do a, a punt safe where we kind of have like because it seems like we never go after any block punt. So why not go ahead and put two people back there, whether it's Barrios or uh, Thomas or Dallas, 
That way, there's two people back there. You got somebody that could possibly give off a lead block to go ahead and set the other guy free, whatever the case may be. Just saying, that's just a thought of mine right there. Just curious how come we haven't thought about that. Okay, uh, Amon Richards, if he's hurt, I feel like, you know, if he's got some type of lingering injury that could possibly escalate into something worse, why not set him out for this game? Out of any game, why not set him out for this one? Hey, I mean, he made it through the whole game. He had 100 yards receiving, and he was out of practice today. So, I, I, obviously, he's okay. Okay. Well, that's good to hear right there. You know, hey, if we healthy, right on. Keep him out there. Uh, another thing, Dungy, kid's a beast. I feel like a lot of times when he was, you know, elevating and going up in the air, I was like, come on, knock him out. You know, not necessarily hurt him, but, I mean, if he jumping up like that, we definitely got to flat him, you know, flatline him right there, you know, put him down hard. Can't have him jumping up like that, man. This is Miami. Another thing, uh, Michael Jackson from Hoover High School. Hey, like I was saying earlier, kids, you know, uh, developing and whatnot, he's one of them. Shout out to him. Uh, Mike Harley, is he hurt? I've seen him get hurt in the game. Is he doing better? I, yeah, no, I think he's okay. I, I... He's just having a hard time getting open. Okay. Uh, another thing on defense, man, we got to do better. A lot of these running backs have been gashing us up the middle with these arm tackles, Gary. We flying in there. I don't know if we're looking for the big hit, looking to, you know, put them down real quick or hard or whatnot. We got to wrap up, man. We can't have these people gashing us like that. Uh, Homer still balling out. Shout out to Homer. And I'm going to end it like I always do, Garrett. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we ain't really move up in the rankings, but we up there where we need to be at and we can't go nowhere but up. You know what I mean? In my opinion, we got the staff. We got the players. We may not have a lot of depth, but we definitely got the players and the talent to put this thing together, man. Hey, Hurricane for life. Keep me on hold, Garrett. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. It was pretty good, and he had a he did some good preparation there. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit the number one if you want on your keypad. If you want to sneak into the show tonight, uh, we've got a few more calls. I got a few more questions I got to get to. Uh, let's go now to the nine zero four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing, man? It's Lorenzo, man. I'm calling out of Hawaii, man. You know, I really Hawaii. enjoy the show, man. Yeah, you live in Hawaii man, now. Uh, well, I'm stationed out here. I'm in the military, Gary. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I guess yeah, if you're going to be stationed somewhere, uh, I guess Hawaii is as good as any, right? <laughs> oh, man, it's beautiful out here, man. It's beautiful every day, man. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll make it more beautiful, man. We win it. You know what I'm saying? As long as it, what, 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 um, what arm of the military are you in? I'm in the Navy. I'm in the Navy. You're in the Navy? Yeah, I've been in now 17 years, man, you know. Well, as long so, as that knucklehead over in North Korea keeps behaving himself, then uh, hopefully oh, things will be all right for you there. Oh, man, Gary. Hey, every day we might be getting that phone call. Any day now I might be heading over that way, man. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm glad I'm on land get to watch some of this Kane football, man. You feel me? <laughs> yep. So, go ahead. Hey, what but, you got? Um, what you got for us? All right. What, what, what I want to talk about now, man, is it me or are we developing a shutdown cornerback? And Malik Young. I know stats don't look like it, but anytime as since Duke game, they had a, a, the number one receiver. They putting this guy on him, and he's doing his job, man. Yeah, it may be he's, he's, he's good. He's on the um, one eighty or whatever, but he's doing his thing, man. 
Yeah, he is. He's he, he's a very good player. I'm I, I'm nervous to start calling him shutdown and all this stuff. I mean, you know, I don't know if he if he's built for that kind of label, but I mean, right. he, he's right. rock solid. He, he looked to me like he's he's got the one thing he, I think he's got to watch out for, and I'd have to look at this a little bit more closely to be 100% on this. But it looked to me like he was getting a little handsy in his coverage, and yeah, you'd hate yeah. to see that come to bite him in a key situation in the game where somebody calls him for uh, holding or interference or some or illegal contact. But um, yeah, he's a, he, he's, he's he is so rock solid. Yeah, I, I noticed because I know during the Toledo game they had the leaning on that uh, they number one receiver during Toledo, and you can tell he was still getting his feet together, still getting you know what I'm saying how the big times do it. But um, ever since you know Delaney, either Delaney went down or they put that young guy on a number one the number one receiver, man, this guy been doing his thing. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, like I said, the stats don't show up, but he's he's money. The next thing I want to talk about, Gary, is um, you know putting those young guys in last this past Saturday. You know, if you notice, like, during, during that Duke game, TB, uh, Trajan Bandy, he got burnt for a third and 18, if I'm not mistaken. He got burnt. But since then, that kind of gave that guy confidence. And you could tell Saturday, that guy, he, he was playing with a lot of confidence. You know, so I think uh, Derek Smith and, and uh, A. Carter, you know, those guys getting in and getting those reps. And I know Derek, Derek Smith got burnt for the third and 25, but those guys don't build from that. Those guys don't gain confidence. So we do play, play a team. Um, down the road, the Virginia Tech, the uh, Notre Dame, and things like that. Those guys going to come through, man. What you think? You know what I liked? I, I liked that they didn't yank them. You know, these coaches are really like. I, I mean, I hate to like sound like I'm in like overflowing with uh, kudos and everything here because I did I did just write about it today on the website. But these coaches are doing some job, man. It, it's like yeah. that kid got beat on yeah. a third and twenty five. I mean, how it doesn't get worse than that, okay? And and it was it his does. fault. And, and yeah. but they didn't they didn't panic they didn't yank him he was right back out there and and yeah. I'm watching that kid in single coverage you know manning up on guys and 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 holding up pretty good and um, he's a very impressive athlete and uh, yes. it, you know I I just I I like the way the coaches are handling the kids yeah. I, I do too, man, and uh, I think that secondary is going to be something. You know, and what I like about these coaching, you know, we're not a dominant team, but what we do, these guys are coached up. So when the offensive team or, or on offense they come up with a game plan, we we know how to stop that. You no, know, we're not uh, imposing our will on on teams and where we just shut them down, but we're taking away their most dominant thing, like whether it's passing or running, we're taking that away from them, and we're making them uh, change their schematic in-game. And then we, you know what I'm saying, eventually we'll take that away. I love the coaching of what's going on now, man, especially Manny Diaz. You know what I mean? Yeah, people may uh, question Mark Rick, the officer calling, but it's okay. With what he got, he's doing what he's supposed to do, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, man. I just wanted to know if I touch bases on that, man. I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing, man. I'm all the way over here in Hawaii, man. I wake up 6 in the morning to watch it. What? Whether it's three quarter game or noon game, seven game, eventually hope we get one. But if not, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to wake up every morning, early in the morning on Saturday to keep watching these games, man. But going to put me on hold, Gary, for the last All right, man. Hey, hey, and thank, thank, and thank you for all that you're doing out there. And uh, hopefully Rocket Man behaves himself and you can keep watching Canes football and, and, don't, gotta, and don't have to go to work because uh, that would be a shame. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. But I'm going to defend the country, though. All right. You got it, man. Thank, thank you for all you're doing. Thanks for being part of the show. Thank you for your support. All right, let me uh, 
man, I hope, man, I just, yeah, I feel for some, I mean, I, I, I just hope that they can keep that guy in check because uh, he's the biggest problem in the world right now. And, uh, you know, you'd hate to hate to see our country have to deal with it, but they, they might because you, you know, he just can't have that guy sitting over there threatening the world every day, you know, shooting missiles over Japan, showing videos on his TV screens about blowing up our cities in America. I mean, come on. All right, let me uh, touch on. We'll get away from politics if we don't want to go in that direction. But let me um, cover these last few questions that came in on the message boards on. Canesport.com. Why do the Canes go to a hurry-up offense every time they get a first down inside the five-yard line? And um, they end up doing it two downs in a row and then have to pass it, and it's not working, and, you know, uh, so forth and so on. And this is a good observation. Uh, it's obviously been part of the scheme that when they get the ball inside the five, they hurry up and run a, a pre-designated uh, running play and try to – catch the defense on their heels, napping and uh, kind of bull rush the ball into the end zone. And uh, they've tried it a few times this season. It hasn't worked. Uh, they've been struggling inside the five, talked about it earlier in the show. And um, I just, you know, my opinion on it is that Mark Rick wants a tough football team. He, he wants his team to be tough. He's clearly willing to force the issue. Um, I'm not sold that it's possible. I, I, like I, like we said earlier, to me, the line is more of a finesse line than a power line, but uh, I don't expect to see them stop trying. So we'll see how it goes as the season goes on. If the Canes win this Saturday, how do they match up with Virginia Tech and Notre Dame from a talent standpoint and a coaching standpoint? Well, I think they match up fine both ways. I mean, you know, this is a legit top 10 team that's wearing the U this year. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, they're not, it's not like they're winning by accident. They've had close games. They haven't played as well as maybe they can play, but they're not like stealing games here. I mean, like, you know, it's not like they're playing horribly even leading up to those late heroics and stuff. So I don't think that they're going to be overmatched against anybody they play, uh, including the ACC title game. If they go play Clemson, uh, so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame's a big physical team that could present some issues against, you know, what is pretty much a finesse team. And we'll see what the defense is able to do when they have to play a more physical offensive line and opponent like they will against Notre Dame. But uh, against Virginia Tech, I think you just you have to be able to protect the quarterback this time around. And if they can do that, uh, I think they'll be okay in, in that ball game. And, um why doesn't Mark Rick participate in Kane's walk each week? He tells the fans to come out early and then he doesn't show up for Kane's walk. It looks bad. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, he's done it. I think for the first one, each of these two years, and then he opts to just let the trooper <laughs> drive him into the gated area and go into the stadium and let the players enjoy Kane's walk. I, I don't know why he doesn't like Kane's walk or doesn't do it every single week. Uh, it's a good question. Not gonna probably bug him about it anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know that it's that big of a deal, but uh, it's an interesting observation that he's not at Kane's walk. And um, you know, I, I, I will say this: a lot of people have noticed it, and a lot of people ask that question. With all the deficiencies that North Carolina has, will the Hurricanes be, be looking ahead? Um, no, they won't be looking ahead because that's the team that beat them the last two years. 
Uh, and that's the best part about this. You know, normally maybe they'd be looking ahead, but that's the team that beat them the last two years. And I think anytime you go on the road, you got to respect the opponent. You better, or you're going to end up losing games that you shouldn't lose. I mean, heck, look what would happen to Clemson at Syracuse, for example. So um, that knocked them out of the number two ranking in the country. Will we see D. Delaney this week? I don't think so, but he doesn't seem that far away just from the eye test that we see on the practice field. Uh, he was on a bike this morning. Uh, not sure if he was able to do anything in the meat of the practice, but uh, hopefully it's not the six to eight weeks that ESPN said. Hopefully it's it's more like four, but uh, you know he looks like he's getting closer, but he does still have a brace on his leg. All right, uh, we're in the home stretch now. I got two more callers on hold, which will probably kill the rest of the show. So let me go out now to the 678, where you are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? What's going on, Jay? Doing great. Who's this? Kane's Junkie. <clears throat> What's up, Junkie? Go ahead, talk uh, to us. Uh, a win is a win, you know, so... You know, I look. Is it the, the bottom line? I see Will Young team, and and it's showing up week after week. It's Will Young team all the way across the board, and with the injuries, it just making us even younger. So I mean, he said Notre Dame, it is what it is. But just know we're going to war with a real young team, even with the with Malik Rossiter, he's a junior, but. He, he's young to the game because this is his first year starting. So, you know, just all the punter, the return man, the whole team is just, you know, super young. And it's, and that's the reason for all these close games and not being able to put teams away, and not being able to dominate, uh, not being able to look dominant uh, because we just we so young. And when we say, hey, we're a couple years away, you see it because this team is a couple years away, I believe. Maybe one, maybe two, depending on what the quarterback situation looks like next year. If Ross will come back and he, you know, take a step forward, or uh, Kosey uh, step up and he's the man. But I don't, I don't see that. I don't see the. I mean, I see eleven and one maybe, but. I just see too much youth to really get excited about this year. Um, also, um, why uh, why don't Dallas uh, have any wildcat packages? Like I can't do everything. I think because you can't. You, I mean, what's the point of that? Like, like why would you take Malik Rozier out of the game and go to a gimmick? Because, he, because he's actually a threat to catch the ball and run. Not like a Brad Kaya standing out there like, oh, we know he's not. Not really, he though. Actually, he actually put that wrinkle in the game because, if anything, if he if he catches and run, he can catch it and run, or he can go and throw the ball. So he he actually makes it a real wildcat threat. Being and can this, this offensive line block the wildcat also, I think, is the question you got to ask. I, I, I don't know. I don't think they need to do that. I think they got plenty of weapons on offense. And I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing and just get better on third down. But how? But that's my point. Like, what? What are we really doing good on offense? Like, we struggled all. We Everything. had four turnovers in the first half, and we we couldn't even score two touchdowns. 
Like who 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 has four turnovers and can't even score two touchdowns off of them? I know, but you had you I had four hundred. You put up four hundred and eighty yards in the Syracuse game. Um, in the, in the Georgia Tech game, you put up four hundred and eighty-one yards. Okay, against Florida State, you put up. Um, give me a second here. Um, 406 yards, you know, a little bit better defense. Um, against Duke, you put up 409 yards. So, I mean, and we it, only scored 25 points. It's um, because of third down, Junkie. Junkie it's, it's all about third down, man. If they start converting third downs, they're going to be a 500 yard per game offensive team. I mean, it's not bad. So you think they, they got to convert third downs? They got to they got to convert third downs better. That's 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 well, where they're falling. Well, what about right first? Because first and second down is not doing anything. That's why we get in these third down situations that we can't convert. But maybe maybe could be a little more aggressive. Maybe could be a little more aggressive on 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 the early downs. No, not going to argue with you there. Do you but, feel like is? Do you feel like? Because it's a young team that he's in, because you know we run it like if you look at the board, Barrios is the only experienced person out there, and because Herndon didn't really play a lot, he's experienced in the classroom. But we playing with a lot of first year players, like Barrios mm-hmm. is probably the, is really the only experience out there. No, Amon Richards has a lot two. of experience, but he's on Chris. and off the field. Chris Herndon's got plenty of experience. So, what else you got, Junkie? I'm just, I'm, I'm not. I think this week is a blowout, but I'm kind of concerned about VTech. Um, we can't stop the, we can't stop the run out the spread. It seems like teams is running a spread or uh, running a quarterback with a single back with wide receivers is made. We getting gassed by you know every single time we play against it. Duke gassed us, you know we we shut it down in the second half. Syracuse gassed us, you know. Florida as long State as, had a as, bit long of as it's just a play here or a play there, it, it's not a big problem. So how you feeling about those two? About the games coming up? Yeah. I think I, I mean I think they're going to be very competitive games. I mean they're good. You know Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are good teams. So you when know we'll does, see. Uh, I mean I, I, I think Miami's Tech. best football junkie is in front of it. I don't think they've come close to playing their best game. Oh okay. So hopefully hopefully they'll be all right. All right I'm going to let you go because I got right. one more call I, I want to get in here. I've got two minutes. So um, thanks for being part of the show. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, thanks, Junkie. We'll talk to you next week. All right, last call tonight. Let's go to the five four one. You're on Kingsport Live. Hey, Gary, Eric, how you doing? What's up, Eric? What you got for us? Shoot. Uh, real quick, uh, your practice. I was wondering how's McCauley Perry progressing um, as he's watching in practice. Is he looking like he's picking up everything? Well, anytime I've watched him throw, or, or, uh, he looks spot on. He, he looks really, really good. Like he, he's got a nice tight spiral. He's got a good arm. He, he's Mark Richt is big on ball placement. I, he, it looks to me like he gets that. Uh, I think the cozy is going to be really, really good. He's, he's just going to have to sit for a while. That's all. Uh, and I'm, I don't, he's going to have to wait his turn. I just want, 
Yeah, and, that's, and I'm fine. That's how it should be. Quarterbacks should be have to sit in the weight, kind of learn as you go, get the road experience on road trips as he's taking them, and, you know, just sit back and, uh, and watch and yeah. see how things are done. But I mean, Malik Rozier's earned this. He's oh, earned yeah. this. He, and he's, and, ball, and he, and he's, he's balling playing out. great. He's balling out. Exactly. Yes, he is. And to the last call real quick, I'm just uh, – for him to say we should do a wild pack is crazy. Well, why would we take – that's like, like taking a ball why would out of you want to spend... Yeah. <laughs> what time Matt, Matt, why would you want to spend all the practice time? Like, for what? Exactly. To run it one yeah, time exactly. in a game? Like, to me, that's a waste of time. It is. I'm definitely with you. And we can't – we need to stop talking about Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. We need to focus on North Carolina because – we need to take it one at a time. Just crazy how us fans we get a little bit ahead of ourselves when the big game is this weekend. I'm so this this game to me is like a championship game. We need to win it. Yeah, they are. And I just yeah, all right. I just want to just fans need to dial it down a little bit. Enjoy this game because it's been some close ones, so it's not going to get easier definitely. But thank you, Gary. Uh, have a good night and uh, enjoy the show. You got it, man. Thank you for being part of it. All right, I want to thank everybody that called in tonight. I thought it was. A- Really good show. A lot of really good calls. I want to uh, thank the startup.com for sponsoring Kane Sport Live all season. That's the company that was created by Kane's fans, where you have to be a Kane's fan to work. And now they want to make everyone's business and turn everybody into entre- entrepreneurs and give them all the tools they need to be successful. So check them out at the startup.com today for a free trial. Um, I want to tra- thank uh, Movement Watches. Um, check them out, guys. They got some cool-looking watches. Uh, you can They start at just $95, and you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. As a Kane Sport Live listener, you just go to movement.com, mvmt.com, forward slash Kane Sport, and get yourself a nice new watch for a real reasonable amount of money. We're off to North Carolina this week. Those of you that are going to be there, Make sure you say hello. I um, always love meeting you guys, um, primarily on the road. That's where I really get to meet a lot of a lot of fans, it seems, um, on the road. At the stadium, everybody's uh, much more scattered around. But uh, say hello if you're in Chapel Hill this weekend. Uh, looking forward to it. A very nice atmosphere there. They've made some nice improvements to their facilities um, at uh, Keenan Stadium. And uh, it should be a nice little road trip. We don't have that many road trips this year. A little light on the road trips, on the good road trips. Uh, So this will be a good one. And then we'll come back next Tuesday night. We'll talk about the North Carolina game, and we'll get ready for the game of the year, really. I mean, I know Notre Dame is going to be exciting, and it's a magical name and all that. But uh, this team wants to win the Coastal for, you know, it's time. It's time for Miami to win the Coastal. And uh, so we'll talk a lot, obviously, about that next week and about the Virginia Tech game that will be coming up at that point. So thank you once again to everybody for listening and calling in, and uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Good night.